Welcome. We have been waiting for you. They do not want you to be here. But where others fail, you will succeed. Forget the cell. In this space, time is endless. You are now experiencing the fourth dimension. Are you ready for what lies ahead? Your mind will transcend reality. Your consciousness will be sharpened like a sword. You will lose all connection to the outside world. And nothing will ever be the same again. You have arrived. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good evening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How the hell are you? How the hell are you? Thanks for joining us. Thursday night, another edition of the Daily Boogie. Free for all. Let's rock and roll. Let's go. Let's do this. Are you loose? Are you limber? Are you lithe? Are you lactating? I do recommend lactating women exit stage left. Do not exit stage right. You'll be shaving your head in no time. You'll be an angry feminist. We don't want that. Thanks for joining us. So many names. Good to see you. Diamond Poopsy, Tracy and AK. Lucifer Sam, good to see you. Heisenburn, welcome back, brother. Good to see you once again. You'll have some fun tonight. Elaine, Jennifer Briggs, Stefan Sears, Scott, J-Dub, Mary, Poppy Lane, the Lady Fritzer, Jennifer Briggs, the, the Cherry Popper, Karma Michelle. Who else have we got? We got so many people. SoCal Patriot, Nova Moon, Ginny Lee, Salvatore. Salvatore, go to the Marazzi. I hope I didn't just insult your mother then. That was not my intention. Hope you're having a good time. Thanks for joining us. Boogie Tosh, boy, no. <laughs> I, I'm afraid. I can't live up to such a standard, Heisenburn. I don't make nearly as many gay jokes. 
my sexuality is not as questioned. <laughs> although, although it very likely should be. But nonetheless, here we are on another Thursday night. OC, Mike, everybody in the house. I love it when you say my name, darling. Poopsie. Poopsie. Peter, thanks for joining us. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Did you bring, did you get on board? Franklin, good to see you. Did you get on, did you get on board the train? Wine in a Pringles can, ladies and gentlemen. Did you do it? I'll tell you what, I'm going to pour mine right now. I haven't poured it. I haven't sipped it. As I put out on Twitter, you can hear me opening the bottle there. There you go. Let's pour this sucker. Hopefully I don't spill it all over the keyboard. So like I indicated on Twitter, I went with a nice Pinot Noir with raspberry aromas and a hint of toasted oak because I feel like that will match perfectly with the sour cream and onions flavor Pringle can that I've brought with me today. And, you know, the, the sharp bitiness of the onion should cut through the mellow, fruity, you know, sense. And I think it will create a dynamic experience on the palate so here we go and let me just convert here if, if you're a little bit confused about what we're doing here um this comes from last week we found this story from a few weeks ago woman drinking wine from pringles can banned from walmart and then we discovered ladies and gentlemen that a group of people so she got banned for life for living it's ironic it's sad it's troubling it's disturbing. Banned for life for daring to live. There's a bumper sticker for you. She got banned for life from the Walmart car park. She was drinking wine from a Pringles can, cruising around in one of those little motorized carts. I mean, what a time. What fun. Like, Tell me you wouldn't want to spend Christmas with this individual. I know I would. It would certainly liven up the Christmas lunch, wouldn't it? And she got banned for life because because why? Walmart are a bunch of Nazis. We all know this. And then a group of people started a Facebook group in solidarity of this woman. <laughs> and they said, we're going to go down to Walmart to protest. We're going to stand around in the car park and drink wine from a Pringles can. And I was celebrating. I was like, yes. And I even went so far as to say, look, I know a lot of people in the audience are on the conservative side of the ledger. This is what liberals do well. Like, this is fun. This is good times. This is a cause that I can get behind. You know, there was like 10,000 people that expressed interest. And I'm like, see, if you don't have any, um, you know, liberals in your life, you're missing out on shit like standing in a car park drinking wine from a Wingles, uh, Pringles can at two in the morning. You could, you could be down with this. You could be in. But then we went to a news report and like three people showed up. And I was mortified. I was horrified. I was stupefied. It was disgusting. I thought not good enough. So we made it a mission today to drink wine from a Pringles can in honor of the person that did it originally. So there you go. There's my Pringles can right there. You can see I went with the mini can today because I like the way it sits in the hand. It's close to wine glass size. You can actually fit a whole bottle of wine into a regular Pringles can. But you've got to understand with this situation here, I've got a lot of gear. I've got keyboards and computers and mixing desks and stuff like that 
I, I really didn't want, you know, the, a thing the size of a Pringles can full of wine to just be in the vicinity of all of these things. So here I've got some give. You know, I can swipe my hand over the can. I'm not going to knock it over. So here we go. First sip. Ooh. You can def I can definitely smell the saltiness. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Old Simpsons throwback there. Ah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Wow. Oh. Have to go another one. I do have a backup. Uh, cheap German imported beer in a can. Nobody ever knew about it. Exactly. Clay, thanks for joining us. Nobody ever knew about this miracle, drinking wine from a Pringles can. And now, ladies and gentlemen, think about how many people are going to be sneaking Pringles cans into sporting events or concerts where you're not allowed to bring outside alcohol. Yes, yes. Do you see what we've done? Do you see what we've done now? Fuck the moon. You Nazi. I often think I was born in the wrong time. Have you ever spoken to old people where you could basically like walk around the supermarket smoking a cigarette? You know, you could drink wherever you want. Nobody cared. Back in the day. Of course, you may, had, you may have been asked to go and die in France, but I think that's a reasonable price to pay. You know, the good, the good men and women involved in the war effort died in far-flung lands that we dare not tread in order to preserve our freedoms. And what do we do? We ban smoking in supermarkets and we now, you know, shun those who get drunk in Walmart car parks drinking wine from Pringles cans. It's an absolute fucking tragedy. It's an absolute tragedy. It's not the way it was supposed to be, damn it. I stumbled across this earlier today. You'll enjoy. Wine from a Pringles can song, Super Bowl band commercial, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Let's see how this goes. Let's have a little look. Yeah! Woo! Let's take this party to Walmart. I'll get on the riding cart. Gonna have a good old time. Bring the beer, I'll bring the wine. Goodness better than wine in a Pringles can. That is utterly fantastic. Whoever made that video, who made that video? Digital Munchies. Tip of the hat to you. Do you want to see it again? Do you want to see it one more time? Best enjoyed in a Walmart car park. One more, one more time. Let's go. Band Super Bowl commercial. Well done. Digital munchies, ladies and gentlemen. Whoever you are, tip of the hat. Absolutely sensational shit. So, yeah, we're going to enjoy ourselves tonight. Before we before we get into a little bit of fun stuff, I see the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com has joined us 
in the chat, ladies and gentlemen, James R. Um, let actually first thing first things first. Let's do your photos. I, w- I want I want everybody to see how the baby bumpers are enjoying their wine from a Pringles can today. So let's open up. Let's open up. Let's show the world. So you can see here, um, this is mine. I, Land of the Giants from the Marlborough region in New Zealand, ladies and gentlemen. If you've never been to the Marlborough region in New Zealand, there are fewer places on earth that I would love to live. Just a little side note. Indulge me for a second. I um, When I was over in New Zealand, I was cruising around and... The Marlborough region is between two little towns on the South Island of New Zealand, um, Blenheim and Picton. And this is where they grow some of the most amazing wine grapes on the face of planet Earth. And we were cruising around and it's like going back in time. And, you know, we're on a dirt road somewhere in between all of these because you see there's a lot of um, there's a lot of earthquakes in the South Island of New Zealand. So there's magnificent mountain ranges, snow-capped mountains where, you know, millennia of earthquakes have created this amazing landscape and people grow wine in, like in the valleys and stuff. And we're cruising down like a dirt road and that we come across like a little wooden church, like tiny. You could fit 50 people in this church, right? And out the front of this little wooden church, like like made of wood, you know, not bricks. Made, somebody built it with their own two hands kind of church, right? And there was little old ladies out the front setting up a table. They were going to sell cakes. And I was just like, oh, look at this. Look at this. Isn't this wonderful? Isn't this amazing? You know, I'd love to I'd love to be there. I'd love to live here. It's utterly fantastic. And like I said, so a nice Pinot Noir from the Marlborough region in New Zealand, ladies and gentlemen. The perfumed aroma of raspberries and smooth hints of toasted oaks, uh, toasted oaks should mix well with the sharp cleansing taste of the onion to create a dynamic experience on the palate. My dream job has always been writing those really gay little descriptions on the back of wine bottles. Uh, Kimmy Jong-un, ladies and gentlemen, got into the act. She sent through a short little video of her having her first sip. Her first, ex- it's a sip doesn't make it, a uh, sip doesn't encapsulate what we're doing here. Her first experience. <laughs> her first experience of wine from a Pringles can. Let's have a look. Hey, here we go. Original Pringles. With uh, rosé. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Original with Looks the rosé. Smell <laughs> smells salty. What's the verdict, Kimbo? Yum. There you go. <laughs> it's yum. It's yum. Ducks Regionus. Thanks for joining us. Kimbo actually did a, a whole Periscope before. So if you want to see... Kim's full experience of drinking wine from a Pringles can. Go follow uh, Y Censored, Kimmy Jong-un, leader of the camp. There's her enjoying another sip. Stefan Sears, ladies and gentlemen, the starting block's official pollster. He sent through his selection. He went with a Riesling and an original Pringles. I noticed the original was a fan favorite. I noticed the originals a lot. I, I love, I don't, look at the, I just noticed this. Look at the little modification at the top of the Pringles can, ladies and gentlemen. A little hole so you can get a straw in the lid. That's that's fantastic. That's very industrious. Well done. Like it's the little touches, isn't it? Well, fantastic efforts, Stephen. <laughs> 
He, he's not like the rest of us other saps. He's like, why should I throw, a per- throw away a perfectly good lid? We can use this. Mm. Well done, Stefan. There's another one of Kimbo. Patriot Nancy. Nancy sent through. She went with a, a Riesling and the Originals Pringles can. The original seems to be the way to go for most people in the public. That is brilliant, isn't it? Look at that. It's a spill for it's it's a childproof Pringles can filled with wine. That's what you want. You can't have your little ones spilling wine on the back seat of the car when you're driving all over the road because you've been drinking too much wine from Pringles cans. And Nancy got the husband hubby's involved. Hubby's gone for the hand size like myself. Must be a man thing. The 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 men have gone for the reasonable option when it comes to beverage conveyance volume like the hand size pringles can the ladies have have it looks like they've gone for the bucket option just give me just give me the biggest one you got we'll fill that sucker up with sweet sweet nectar oh nancy's gone for the hand size too that's good to see it's good to see it's not we're not being sexist here lady fritzer the pairing of a dark rich blend see this is fantastic with a smooth, long aftertaste mingled with raspberries and wooden oak barrels hinted in the background. Oh, sensational. To Pringles sour cream and onion. Good to see another sour cream and onion fan out there. Is perfectly sublime. There you go. Sour cream and onion. James R. has broken from wine from a Pringles can. He's going for the hard stuff. <laughs> Shivers regal in a, in a Pringles can. <laughs> As we speak, there are, you know, there are hundreds of men dressed with blue war paint and kilts heading to Hawaii right now with the taste of blood. <laughs> what the fuck is that? What are you doing to the shivers? Are you fucking mad, mate? You're fucking mad. That's a fucking crime, that is. Let's go get them. Let's go get Let's go get them. Fuck them. James has successfully pissed off an entire country by pouring Shivers Regal into a Pringles can. Hubba hubba, James. Hot stuff. I think that's the last one. Yeah, that's it. It's absolutely sensational stuff, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to everybody for getting involved. Thanks for getting in the spirit of it. That's what it's all about. So it's, I've, I've got to hear this one more time. Hang on. <laughs> Wine from a Pringles can. <clears throat> so before we get into fun stuff, thanks to everyone for joining in. If you'd like to become a subscriber of the show, please hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. Of course, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, um, allowing for the fact that you may be a drunk, alcoholic, unemployed person living on the street drinking wine from a Pringles can. If you're not one of those, you can become a supporter by heading over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. And of course, if you'd like to pour me a drink and share a potato chip with me, over a casual, uh, casual conversation, you can do so on Twitter by following me at Boogie Bumper. So, before we get into the fun stuff, 
I did want to touch on the biggest news story of the week, that being the Sotu. The Sotu. Am, am I the only one that's starting to get really sick of anachronizing everything? <laughs> Is that the right word? I don't even know. Can't we just call it the State of the Union? Really, how much time are we saving here collectively by doing so too? See, that's the bat. That's the downside of hashtags. We we could have just been saying State of the Union address instead of so too. So too sounds like a character from Star Trek. You know, some kind of Klingon individual. Boogie, I visited Trump family hometown in Germany. I'll send you pics. Please do. Please do, Heisenberg. I'd love to see that. You mean the Drumpf family home. The Drumpf. Ja, Donald Drumpf. I'd love, I'd love to see where the drubs come from. So too. Exactly zero. <laughs> yes, so too. <laughs> but I just want to quickly address it. Um, it was good. I, I've some, I'm somebody... Look, if... If the speech was bad or it was lacking or it could have been better or more effective in certain areas, I would tell you. You know you know that by now. Like, I'm not here to, um, you know, wave a flag. I'm not even fucking American. Why would I? <laughs> I would tell you. Um, you know, I've, you, don't, you don't have to believe me or not. I've spent a lot of time studying political speeches and, you know, I've dabbled in a little bit of writing here and there. And it's something that I take a very keen interest in. And I thought it was... You know, even a few days later, um, it was one of the most well-structured um, speeches that I've probably heard, definitely from Donald Trump. It was definitely one of the best speeches I've heard in a long, long time. And I, you know, part of me weeps because so intense is the, bipart uh, the partisanship now and objectivity has essentially gone to the dogs that it's going to be sort of 10, 20 years before people recognise what he did in that speech and how good, it, how good it really was. And here's an indication. See, <clears throat> we could sit here and we could do a rhetorical analysis. We could say, you know, what was happening with the mechanics, how he was switching arguments around, um, how he was owning certain topics and then redirecting them, reframing them. The way he used uh, storytelling with fact you know, he wrapped up facts with storytelling in order to create a massive impact. Like I, like I said on Trust and Verify with my comrade James the other night, um, if you just drop a fact in somebody's lap, they don't really know what to do with it. You have to, you have to present a fact in a in a broader context that makes it human, it makes it understandable on an inherent like emotional level. He did that very well with the guests, bouncing between positive and negative. We suspected he would do that. Um, because there's, you know, speeches don't happen in a vacuum. There's a current, an undercurrent of politics going on, you know, before and after and during the speech that needs to be addressed in a certain way. And I thought he did that particularly well. Um, for his own political aims, I thought, <clears throat> you know, I didn't suspect that he was going to drop bombs, uh, you know, about the border wall and stuff. I predicted that it would be geared more towards ratcheting up pressure you know, just creating a pressure cooker environment like on that particular topic because you're trying to you're trying to create pressure and then project it onto your opponent because you want them to react to you. You don't want to react to your opponent. You want your opponent reacting to you. If your opponent's reacting to you, then you can control the dynamic. If you're reacting to them, they control the dynamic. You're trying to win it back, 
Do you know what I mean? So I thought he did that particularly well. And so when you put all of that into the mix, I think the evidence is rather obvious. Something that happens with a good speech, a good delivery of a speech, is it empowers people on the side of the speech giver if it's done well. And, you know, James and I were talking after the show and I said, you know, this is going to be the, the spin-off of this is going to be the shot of confidence into the arm of the surrogates, the pundits, um, the underlings, the cabinet members. They're going to walk tall tomorrow. They're going to puff their chest out. The people who write opinion pieces who are sympathetic to the Trump administration, they are going to be in attack mode now. You know what I mean? So he's given them lots of, <clears throat> pardon me, he's given them lots of targets on the horizon to aim, you know, to focus their scope on. And they're going to be pulling triggers tomorrow. And and you saw it, you know, people like, uh, you know, Bongino, Hannity, like all, all of the regular ones that, you know, they were walking tall. They were, they were strong. They were confident. They were like, all right, let's rock and roll. We are on fire here. And then that creates a ripple effect whereby people on the other side cannot own the conversation they they have to react and so they they then become on the defensive they tried to maintain the momentum that they've had over the last would you say three weeks the democrats and their surrogates their pundits their underlings by doing you know like <laughs> i did a podcast about this if you're interested um so to review if you look up the daily boogie on podbean iheart radio itunes whatever and look for so to review they try they went for the lowest common denominator tactic which is like it's just it's 101 stuff and it's bad now it just doesn't work anymore people are aware of it the redirection so don't address anything in the speech itself i read from the washington post uh, newsletter that goes out to all subscribers of the washington post of which i am one and new york times and it was Okay, Donald Trump's speech was filled with demagoguery, but he didn't even address climate change. And then the next six paragraphs are about climate change. Not even talk. So you see what they're trying to do here, right? Instead of res- instead of rebutting the speech, you are trying to make those who are on the side of the president rebut your talking point. And it's and it's really like one hundred and one crass, low tier, uncreative shallow shit that everybody everybody knows what you're doing like the guy who wrote that he is not the second coming of Bernays he is not the second coming of Goebbels he is not a propagandistic genius he's not fit to shine Bernays's shoes it's really bad it's really obvious and everybody knows what you're doing and it just doesn't work anymore so, you know, like in the past, people would have run to like, well, okay, and then dive into the climate change debate. And then all of a sudden you've taken all the attention off the speech. It doesn't work anymore. And so I thought that was, that left a little bit to be desired because press in the past, whether they were on the right or the left, ladies and gentlemen, they would have relished the opportunity to attack uh, the talking points and the emphasis and the subtext of the speech head on. They would have relished that. And they would have sunk their teeth into it and found an angle. But instead, what they do now is, well, the speech was shit. Let's talk about this. Because they're lazy. They're not particularly smart. They're not particularly good. They're not particularly talented. You know, they're in these positions probably because they're the best person that the news organization could find rather than being the best person for the job. 
if that makes sense. So the effectiveness of the speech when you take all of these things into consideration is obvious. The very fact that, you know, oh, breaking news, breaking news, he didn't even talk about climate change. It was so good that they couldn't talk about it. That's really how this works. Because guaranteed, if it was a terrible speech, they would have been picking it apart like a hyena feasting on the tendons and the ligaments of a corpse two day old in the Serengeti rotted from the sun. They would have had no problem doing that. The fact that they didn't shows you exactly how effective the speech was. Other news organisations were focusing on Nancy Pelosi's clap. Did you see that? Her clap. Her, did you see how Nancy Pelosi clapped sarcastically at the president? This is the story of the speech. <laughs> no, it isn't. No, it isn't. If if your if your team if your side and I don't even like like I said I'm looking at this objectively I don't care what side it's on on this particular occasion it's the side of Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats if your side needs to make the speech about how she sarcastically clapped at something that that shows everybody that you have nothing nothing. If you need to make it about how an old lady got up and looked funny when she clapped at Donald Trump, that, sh- that shows everybody how uncreative and unimaginative and how, how devoid of ideas you are. You're not being clever. <laughs> you know, you're not being effective. You're being terrible and pathetic. And really, um, your constituents deserve better than that. Where are the warriors? Where are the warriors of old on the Democrat side? Where have they gone? This this is the best you can do? Really? An old lady clapped sarcastically? This is your fucking... This is your story that you're going with? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Give me, at the Was- give me a job at the Washington Post. I'll tear that Trump speech apart in five minutes. I'll be going, oh my God, we didn't even think of that. <laughs> I won't even refer to Nancy Pelosi's speech. <laughs> These people are terrible at what they do. <laughs> I can't. I can't tell you anything else. <laughs> but I, I continue to consume it and read it because I enjoy. I enjoy watching it. It gives me pleasure. Pleasure. So tell us what you think. What warriors <laughs> says Clay? <laughs> Where is RBG? Says divinely ferocious. Is she still alive? Here's the thing with RBG. Like, you know, I, I hear a lot of people saying, well, she's dead already and stuff. I, I've got to be brutally honest. I find it very difficult to uh, say that, like, I don't think it's easy to hide a, a dead Supreme Court justice. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Is she buried somewhere in the Mexican desert or something? What do people think? I think it's going to be rather difficult to hide the dead body of a Supreme Court justice. I don't care how, you know, far into the deep state somebody is. It's still going to be pretty fucking difficult to hide a dead Supreme Court justice for weeks on end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know. It, it seems it's, it's more on the spectrum towards less probable than probable. Like, RG, uh, RBG is dead. 
on in my opinion. I mean, like I said, it's pretty hard to hide a dead Supreme Court justice, regardless of who you are. I think, but you know, she's closer. Here's she's an old lady who had major surgery. Like getting cancer cut out of your chest is not something that you do over a weekend and then bounce back out of bed, especially when you're an octogenarian. You know, like Nancy, uh, like Ruthie is. If if you slip over and bruise your wrist when you're in your 80s, it takes you three weeks to recover. So, I, I don't I don't know what do people do they want do they want footage of her roller skating? You know, I don't know what. <laughs> and look, she's closer to the end of her career than she is to the beginning. That's I don't think that's conspiratorial anyway to say. So, you know, um. It was actually Zero the other day who made a very funny point. He said, he was laughing. He said, what the hell are we doing? We're supposed to be pro-life and all we want is for this woman to die. <laughs> He's like, what the hell are we doing over here? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. We're pro-life. Kill the old people. Join <laughs> mm. my wine from a Pringles can. No, surgery at her age is definitely not easy. You didn't know she had an operation? Yeah, she had some cancer removed, I think. She's recovered from cancer three times. I want her meds. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's doable. So it happens. It happens. So absolutely fantastic stuff. All right. Are we loose? Are we ready to go? Are we, are we ready to have some fun? I don't know. For the politics junkies, you might not really enjoy tonight. I've got a little bit of news for you. Um, this time tomorrow, I will be drinking cocktails next to a pool. Cocktails with teeny little umbrellas. My vacay for the year officially starts when I finish this show today. So next week, I, I won't be doing... I, there's not going to be any podcast next week because I won't be at home. I won't be in the studio like I said, I will be sitting by a pool somewhere drinking cocktails with little umbrellas. And I know, and I'll, I'll be enjoying the finest cuisines repeatedly, <laughs> gorging myself with the finest foods. And I know, you know, gluttony is a sin and all that, but it's okay. I got in touch with the big guy and he said, Boogie, you're such a good guy. Um, the devil wants you to be unhappy. And he tried to continue talking. I said, no, that's all right. That's all you have to say. I'm going to drink and eat myself silly for a week. He said, but, but, but. I said, don't worry about it, guy. I've got this. I've got this. My G. G. Um, that reminds me of something. Let's start the show. So I want to have a little bit of fun tonight, and I hope you want to have a little bit of fun too. So thanks for joining us. Okay. Speaking, speaking of that conversation I had with the big guy, let's do this. I think I've played it once before. Why not do it again? Well, I wrote this song for the Christian youth. I want to teach kids the Christian truth. If you want to reach those kids on the street, then you got to do a rap to a hip-hop beat. So I gave my sermon an urban kick. My rhymes are fly, my beats are sick. My crew is big and it keeps getting bigger. That's because Jesus Christ is my nigga. Yeah. Woo. He's a life. 
changer, miracle arranger, born to the virgin mom in a manger, water to wine, he's a drink exchanger, and he died for your sin. Drink exchanger. I the word, that's my gig, and I rhyme better than Notorious Big, all the other MCs. Notorious Big. I wish him well, but if you live in sin, you burn in hell. Now I'ma pass the mic to my lovely wife. She's a fly MC and the light of my life. So the bust a rhyme without further ado. Take it away, Mary Sue. Mary Sue. Jesus Christ is my nigga. <laughs> He's the son of the original G. And he was sent to Earth to elucidate the way that we should be. What? Like if another MC says, you're a freak, you're a lame butt rapper, and your rhymes are weak. I don't get mad and I don't critique. I forgive him and turn the other uh, cheek. I don't blaspheme. Well, like a hip rag. operation, says cuss. Salvatore. And my pants don't sag. I do exude a little Christian swag, and I'm proud to be an American. Jesus Christ, Christ is, is a nigga. Let, Let his light, light shine through ya. <laughs> Let his love pop a cap in your butt and, and say hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus Christ is a nigga. He's a homie MCJC, you see. He's an honest, caring, peace-loving nigga like me. If you do drugs and you think you're cool, you need to come to Sunday school. Put those drugs in a garbage can. Stand up tall. You're a Christian man. Word up. Word up. I'm freestyling. Hit me. There you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ is my nigga. Excellent. <laughs> <clears throat> like I said, we're going to have fun. What's wrong with that? It's a great outreach to the community. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the shredder. It's time for the shredder. Let's rock and roll. Thanks for joining us. Let's have a little bit of fun. This is what a period emoji should look like. <laughs> New emojis include a drop of blood to signify menstruation. That's not good enough. We need something better than a drop of blood. Here are the proposals for a menstruation emoji. Of course, obviously, the first question that springs violently into the forefront of my mind is, why do we need an emoji to signify menstruation? But then I thought, this is only going to lead to trolling. This is only going to lead to trolling. You know why? Because whenever somebody does like an angry woman thing on Twitter, like, I am woman, hear me roar, guess what's going to be filling up their timeline? <laughs> it's going to be period blood emojis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that these people in in their in their struggle for liberation of bodily functions I don't think these people consider you know the unforeseen outcomes of the decisions that they're making right now I can just I can just see every single feminist getting nothing but period blood emojis sent to them constantly on Twitter which will then be bullying and then you can say well I'm just I'm just helping the cause I'm celebrating menstrual blood. A tiny droplet of blood is among the new crop of emoji unveiled by Unicode, the de facto Merriam-Webster of tiny cartoon illustrations. This tiny blot, uh, drop of blood will surely be useful when discussing hospital stays, Red Cross donations, nosebleeds, 
and the Therona scandal and kitchen mishaps. What it will not be as useful for is symbolising the thing it was designed to represent and normalise periods. Nor- do we have to normalise periods? I think they're pretty normal already. How much more normal can periods be than every single month? You know, like the people even say, are you regular? Plan International UK, an organisation that works for girls' equality, will see it's only going to be equality if either girls stop having periods or men start having them. That's that. Let's be honest here. That's where equality, that's the only equality there's going to be. Do you want men to bleed once a month too in sympathy? Okay, maybe we can work on that. <laughs> Do you want to stop bleeding? That's probably better. Started campaigning for a period emoji in 2017. I'm glad to see that they've dedicated two long, hard years of work to this. Sensational, isn't it? Arguing that girls feel a lot of shame and stigma around discussing their periods and that an emoji would be a small but meaningful step in normalising menstruation. Where the hell do people come up with this? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Do we have to celebrate menstruation? I, I would have thought, I would have thought, look, here's to be honest. They say that girls feel a lot of shame and stigma around discussing their periods. I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to go out on a limb. I think every single woman I've ever known in my life does not want to discuss their period, not because of the shame and stigma around it, but because they aren't insane. Like it's a private thing. You know, like you, you don't you don't regularly talk to you don't talk to people about your bodily functions, right? Am I right? Like like do you walk up to somebody and start talking about how you how often you shit that day? Like you know what I mean? It's a bodily function. It's not supposed to be regular conversation. You're allowed to keep your bodily functions to yourself. You don't have to make it some kind of liberation campaign. It doesn't have to be politicized. You, this doesn't have to be a crusade for menstrual blood. You know what I mean? You you people are insane. <clears throat> you are insane. Sample designs included a calendar with blood drops, blood drops expressing different emotions, smiling, frowning, or grimacing. Why is there a smiling blood drop? <laughs> okay, maybe when you donate blood, you can have a smiling blood drop, frowning or grimacing, a uterus, a menstrual pad with a little squiggle of red smack in the middle of the... Oh, my God. <laughs> Plan International UK held a vote and the winner announced that June was a pair of period pants, white undies with a couple of cartoon drops of blood. That must be that one there on the left. <laughs> as far as period emoji goes... This is a great design. (laughs) It's clear what's happening, but it's not overly graphic. Someone at my old workplace even turned the mock-up into a custom emoji for our company, Slack, which we used in discussions about both reviewing period products and what our own bodies were up to. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are currently in the process of applying for a job at Slack, I suggest you reevaluate where you want your career to end up. 
you know, if you thought that you were going to work for a high-powered company involved in serious discussions, they actually talk about periods. Beyond that, beyond being convenient, the bloody undies emoji was just plain fun. Yes, it's fun. It's fun to celebrate periods. So why did we end up with this measly blood drop instead? Unicode rejected Plan International UK's initial bid. In response, Plan International UK banded together with NHS Blood and Transplant and resubmitted the runner-up in their period emoji poll, that plain drop of blood. Unicode approved this time and connected the blood drop to a few key words, blood donation, medicine, and yes, menstruation. It's possible that someone at Unicode thought the design was just too specific. Its selection factors note that it's looking for an emoji that have several uses, but an emoji like period undies is useful precisely because of its specificity. A blood, a blood drop seems like it will inevitably fo- require a follow-up text to clarify what type of bleeding you are currently doing. Oh, won't that be a marvellous conversation? Won't that be a sensational conversation to engage in? And whether it is cause for concern. Plus, there are plenty of uses for a menstruation-specific emoji as a signal that you're not feeling super great to a running buddy as a clue to your sex partner that they should get ready to put down a towel, as an explanation to a roommate why you're using the tub for a long, warm bath. Periods are an indisputable part of life. Yes, we know. They should be part of our emoji arsenal too. Wow, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Eisenburn, shouldn't it be a red wave? (laughs) Liberating the period emoji from the good people at Slate. That was... Now you face the Shredder. Okay. Uh, Let's keep on the topic of feminism. Who wants to see Ivanka Trump vacuuming up their breadcrumbs? I know what you're saying. What? Check it out. Ivanka Trump, as you've never seen her, vacuuming? Vacuuming breadcrumbs thrown by spectators? I felt a little bit disrespectful. It's really cathartic. Thought I'd give her something to do. The real Ivanka has plenty to do. Launching a women's development initiative Thursday. This is a look-alike, dressed in an outfit similar to what actual Ivanka wore to the G20 summit in Germany. <laughs> do you see what's happening here? I know what you're thinking to yourself. If only Ivanka had a spot of red blood on the front of her dress, then she would really be empowering to women around the world. Am I right? But you'd think vacuuming Ivanka was real, the way some conservative website... Oh, the conservatives are outraged. ...art exhibit invites people to throw trash. I mean, people are not throwing crumbs at her. No, they throw them onto the carpet. No, they're throwing crumbs for her to vacuum Look, here's here's something that's bothering me. If if you if you find yourself like, see, this to me, this doesn't say how you know um, offensive people are in regards to the Trumps and say, oh, this is horrible, this is offensive and stuff. This explains, this shows me how pathetic modern art is. You know what I mean? I don't care about it. what some somebody is making money. With a lookalike of Ivanka Trump vacuuming a vacuuming a floor, a vac- vacuuming the floor. 
I better have another sip of wine from a Pringles can. Hang on. Ivanka is vacuuming the floor, darling. Mm. No. I mean, if you find yourself getting upset of a lookalike vacuuming the floor where people throw crumbs, this is stupid. Exactly. <laughs> That's the point, right? Like, I, don't get offended by this stuff. Look, if you want to laugh at snowflakes all day, oh, those fucking snowflake liberals, huh? fine, but don't be a snowflake. So if you're jumping on the internet and writing comments like, this is utterly disgusting and disgraceful, I am offended, you're acting just like a snowflake at that point. And people will say, well, that's not fair. They're always going after us. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But isn't isn't it so much better being able to look at how stupid these people are and say, wow, this isn't offensive. <laughs> it's, it's quite possibly the worst piece of modern art, quote unquote, that I've ever seen in my fucking life, but it's not offensive. It might be offensive if I was an artist. If I was an artist and saw this, I would say, wow, this person is an artist. Yeah, we've got a lot of work to do. Let's carry on. Oh, sometimes two hands full, deposited on the pink carpet. Artist Jennifer Rubel's work is on exhibit at a Washington DC gallery. <laughs> it's a work. What does she do? Did she lay the carpet? <clears throat> Jennifer Rubel's work is on display. What did she actually do in this work? Did she pop the popcorn herself? Did she lay the carpet herself? Did she plug in the vacuum? I'm not sure. Where did her work, where did the work portion of this artist's display actually kick in? What did she actually physically do here? Yeah, it's not like she painted something. Because that involves physically picking up a paintbrush, dipping it in the paint and putting it to canvas. Like, where did her work start and finish here? What has she actually done besides walk around and get rounds of applause from toffs wearing berets? I mean, oh my God, you know what I love about this is is it just brings the struggle of feminism to a relatable uh, quality for everybody in the city. It's, uh, the, the, the display is in Washington, D.C. You'll be unsurprised to know. You know, I think this is... I think this is a vitally important commentary about the role of women in society and when you're portraying, uh, you know, the essence of white privilege in this manner, I think it really explains to people why, uh, you know, this kind of dangerous art is so important in our modern world and why a bigger discussion needs to be had. Excuse me, I'll just take a sip from my Pringles can. Mm. Nice Pinot Noir from my Pringles can. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're going for a latte after this. Should be great. I'm going to an amateur poetry reading. Ivanka, Ivanka. One of the Trumper. You vacuum the floor because you know you suck. Your hair is gold. Gold like the stolen gold of the indigenous populations of the world. Ivanka, Ivanka. Suck up my crumbs. Of course. Crumbs, and then they're really expecting her to hop to it and vacuum them right away and are a little disappointed by that. So it's, that is nothing uh, worse, really, than having your crumbs ignored. You know what? I can't tell if it's an, if it's an art display or a fucking infomercial for a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> it's like Home Shopping Network. 
The Suckmaster 5000 just tears these crumbs apart. Let Ivanka Trump demonstrate. If I was the Trump's, if I was the Trump's publicist or something, I'd be saying, you need to sponsor a vacuum cleaner right now. You need to make the most of this. Hi, I'm Ivanka Trump, and when I'm vacuuming up the crumbs in my house left behind by my kids, I only use the Suckmaster 5000, which you can see in this art display in Washington, D.C. That's the... <laughs> 65% of all proceeds go straight back directly to Ivanka Trump. <laughs> Look alike Ivanka vacuums two hours a night, tossing her hair, flicking the cord, her expression blank, unplugging every once in a while to take a break. You definitely can't accuse the artist of <laughs> sucking up to Ivanka. Jennifer Rubel got called onto the carpet. Ivanka tweeted, women can choose to knock each other down or build each other up. I choose the latter. Ah, see, wrong play, Ivanka. You should have have said, yes, that's exactly how I vacuum. Well done for capturing my likeness perfectly. That would have been the right play. The piece doesn't knock her down or build her up. Nothing sucks like Electrolux. She says she chose Ivanka as an icon at the crossroads of feminism and femininity. It was a bit unnerving, actually, just seeing her being completely expressionless. Do you think Ivanka Trump has ever... (laughs) It was unnerving seeing Ivanka Trump expressionless. These people are frightened by fucking everything, aren't they? I mean, she wasn't even smirking, you fucking loser! No idea. Facing a Mount Everest of breadcrumbs, Ivanka the lookalike is going to get a lot of practice. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Quality programming from your friends at CNN. I wanted to talk about this. Did you guys hear about the Liam Neeson thing? So Liam Neeson, um, you know, a friend of his was raped a while ago, decades ago. And the friend said it was a black guy that did it. And so he made a comment on this show. And he, he was explaining how he felt after he heard that. And he was like, you know what? I just wanted a black guy to walk into the bar so I could, I think he said black bastard. So I could, you know, I could beat the shit out of him kind of thing. So he's now a racist. Um, <laughs> so he was giving like a, a commentary on how he genuinely felt after hearing the news from this friend. And people are like, well, that's racist and stuff. Calls for Liam Neeson to be digitally removed from Men in Black after racist comments. <laughs> Here come the Men in Black. Irish men will bash you. Nah, nah, nah. Here come the Men in Black. They won't let your friends rape you. The bad guys dress. The bad guys dress in black. Remember that. In case they come into a bar and make contact. If you rape my friend, you rape me, MIB. I'll bash the black bastard, you'll see. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm terrible at rap. Let's have a look. I did it for maybe a week, hoping some <laughs> would come out of a pub and have a go at me about something, you know, so that I could kill him. Well, that's Liam Neeson shocking his fans with remarks Thanks that he made in an interview with The Independent. The 66-year-old actor admitting he once sought revenge after a family member said a black man raped her. Neeson went on to express remorse for his thoughts and actions. Carly yes. Shinkis from Fox News Headlines 24-7. 
Yes, when when your friend or family member is raped, you better apologize for seeking revenge. Revenge is awful. Awful. Awful, I tell you. You know, do you know what the best possible thing you can do after you find out that someone you love, someone you're close to has been raped by somebody? The best thing to do would be to go out and donate to a charity which promotes uh, less rape. I think that's the I think that's the reasonable way that you're supposed to deal with these things. Um, if you don't believe me, I found this article here from the LA Times, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not forget that Liam Neeson's race rape revenge fantasy started with an actual rape. Like a good, good call. Let's not forget. So when I first read the Liam Neeson interview in which he confessed to having years ago sought revenge for the rape of a friend by prowling an unnamed city looking for a black man to cosh or kill because his friend said her rapist was black, after the shell shock of the obvious racism, I thought, and that's one reason rape remains such an underreported crime. And you can imagine, I'm like, I'm sorry, what? There are, of course, many other reasons law enforcement has not always been sympathetic or well-trained. Rape victims often know their assailant and fear retribution. That's true. And, of course, women are often simply not believed when they recount instances of sexual assault. Add to that the fear of how their loved ones will react. Now, you would think, so what are they getting at here? The fear of how their loved ones will react. Like, are we living in Puritan times here? Is this the medieval times? Like, so if you're raped by somebody... Are you worried that your family will shun you because you were too appealing to a man or something? I'm thinking, is that what they're getting at here? Au contraire, dear listener. On top of dealing with having been raped and all the historical stigmas associated with reporting it, women don't want the men in their lives, quote, behaving like vengeful and potentially racist berserkers. (laughs) Yes! The reason, the reason women don't report rape is because they don't want the men in their lives to go racist. Do you believe, do you believe this shit or what? <laughs> and at first I thought, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But then I remembered a story that I read from Sweden years ago. Look at this. Raped woman didn't want to call the police. Quote, I feel sorry for him because he is a refugee. The 28-year-old Iraqi man was so unhappy with the standard of asylum in Finland that he chose to return to Sweden and rape a Swedish woman on the way. The woman did not want to notify the police at first because of the situation. The poor rapist was a refugee. But now the rapist has been convicted to imprisonment and deportation by the district court, which also states that he is not a refugee at all. The woman had booked a shared compartment, uh, compartment, apartment, I think, and ended up in a, an apartment with three Arab men who woke up when she stepped in. She wanted to show sympathy with the men because they were asylum seekers and bought, among other things, sandwiches to them. They were drinking vodka and singing, but after a while, the 28-year-old began to touch the woman who twice had told him to stop. After a while, the woman went to bed but woke up sometime later by the Iraqi who was about to rape her. The woman fought him off, ran from the apartment and made contact with a train attendant. The train attendant asked if he should call the police. At first, she did not want to do that because she did not want to put the NN who are seeking asylum in a difficult situation. She felt sorry for him and was afraid that he would be deported to Iraq. Wow. So there you have it. 
the LA Times is now mimicking um, the exact same rhetoric, the exact same narrative, and the exact same logical train of thought that was prevalent in Sweden five years ago, and we all know how that's ended up. Um, you know, the women in America do not want to report being raped because apparently the reason that they don't report it is because they don't want the men in their lives acting like vengeful and potentially racist people. Berserkers. <laughs> As she puts it. Let's carry on. <laughs> joins us now, Carly. Wow. What's the latest on this? All right. Well, he made those comments during an interview uh, for an upcoming movie. Uh, the movie's about revenge. So he was telling a personal story about a time he learned about a loved one who was raped by a black man. And he made the horrifying mistake of walking horrifying. up and down the street looking for a black man to hurt anybody. Even if Did you notice how the rape wasn't horrifying? The rape was just kind of casual. Yeah, well, you know, his loved one was raped, but he made the horrifying mistake of walking up and down the street looking for somebody. Do you see how that that really subtle little thing just occurs there? If they had nothing to do... The rape wasn't horrifying at all. The rape's to be expected, apparently. And he told that story to prove that racism and revenge never work. And... um, you know, you can even tell that he was disgusted if you listen to the full thing yeah. with himself. He appeared on Good Morning America just a short time ago to say, I'm not a racist. Um, but this- I'm not a racist. Let's go to that conversation right now. Liam Neeson on Good Morning America. Liam Neeson, who has a new movie out. It's called Cold Pursuit. And just 24 hours ago, he made headlines for talking about an incident that happened decades earlier involving a very close friend of his who he says was assaulted. And Liam, first of all, I, I really appreciate your, your willingness to, to have this discussion sure. because when it comes to race, it can be very uncomfortable sure. for people. Yeah. And it just caught people off guard yeah. what, how you responded yeah. when you were asked about revenge and do you want to explain what you said? Yeah, they, 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 we were doing a press term. I mean, it's not like the Irish to seek revenge for things, is it? Come on now. <laughs> and it was, uh... Like, they're, they're worried about perpetuating stereotypes. How dare you perpetuate racist stereotypes? How about the stereotype that the Irish are drunken, revenge-seeking berserkers? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, let's, let's, let's pretend I didn't say that. Uh... You know, the topic of her film is, is, mm-hmm. is revenge. And it's a dark comedy, too, but it's, it's, it's based as revenge. And the lady journalist was asking me, how do you tap into that? And I remembered an incident nearly 40 years ago where a very dear friend of mine was brutally raped. And I was out of the country, and when I came back, she told me about this. And she handled the situation herself and her rapist incredibly bravely, mm-hmm. I have to say that. But I had never felt this feeling before, which was a primal urge to lash out. Out. I asked her, did you know the person? It was a man. No. Uh, his race, she said he was a black man. I thought, okay. And after that, there were some nights I went out deliberately into black areas in this city looking to be set upon so that I could unleash physical violence. And I did it for 
I'd say maybe four or five times until I caught myself on. And it really shocked me, this primal urge I had. It shocked me and it hurt me. See, don't you think he's being, like, incredibly honest here? <laughs> See, people are too stupid to understand this stuff. Anger is a very, very, very powerful emotion. Very powerful. And I think the problem is that the corporate press so sensationalizes um, fear and anger that they turn everything into fear and anger. When a lot of the times we're laughing at you, you know, like you're, they say, you're pushing fear and I laugh. I'm like, no, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's not me angry. This is me enjoying myself at your stupidity, right? But, like, I think that's a very, um, like, he's just a, a raw retelling of how he felt at a time when getting some incredibly uh, disturbing news. And, you know, I would ask, any, how would you, how would you take the news that, um, you know, your loved one has been raped by somebody? How would you take it? Like, what would you do? You know, are you the kind of person to go, oh, that's no good. Would you like would you like a piece of cake? <laughs> that's that's the kind of reaction that is promoted now. <clears throat> You're not supposed to get angry. Well, I guess it depends on who the rapist is, right? Right? That's cuz that's the real story here. If see because the story is uh he's now defending himself for being a racist. What if the story was his good friend was raped by somebody else, like not a black man? And he was out, like, looking for revenge. And I, I guarantee you the story would be Liam Neeson wanted to defend the honour of his friend or something like that. Liam Neeson was understandably enraged and, you know, uh, confronted with feelings of revenge for his dear friend being raped. That would be the, the beginning and the end of the story. But, you know, arguably it was a misstep from him in the current climate to say you know, the, the particular person in this story was a black guy. And then that changes the story. That changes everything. And I put it to you, why? Why does it change the story? Why does it change everything? I mean, if you're not the racist, why is it a problem? <laughs> right? If you're not the racist, why does it matter? He was out seeking revenge. For his friend being raped. And if you think that that's not the story, but the story is rather that he was angry at a black guy for doing it, and that's the story, then you, you have serious problems. Serious, you have serious um, you know, hierarchy of importance problems. You have a problem categorizing things in levels of importance in your life. There is one clear story here that matters and one that matters a lot less. Oh, did you, did you hear what he said about black people? I'm like, did you hear what he said about revenge for his friend being raped? I, th I, thought, I thought you were the ones who cared about this shit, right? Apparently not. It's like we were saying in, um, you know, when we were reviewing the speech, there's a tendency now that needs to change where... Uh, it was in last week's show, actually. 
something can be right or wrong that is said depending on who says it. And that's wrong. You know, two people can say the exact same information and one of them can be right and the other one can be wrong based on who they are and not what they say. And that's a problem. And here we're delving into the same kind of, you know, swirl of, you know, we're we're flying around in a galaxy of not knowing what we can and can't say and not knowing what's offensive and what's not. The rape is offensive. His retelling of his story about how he was so filled with revenge that he would walk the streets just waiting for an opportunity to unleash violence on somebody. He wanted somebody to approach him. He wanted somebody to attack him just so he could unleash violence because that's how angry he was. That's the story. <laughs> you you made it about racism. Shame on you. Shame on you. All right, I'm going to take a quick pee break. Apparently, uh, wine in a Pringles can goes right through me, so I'm going to see you in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 9.30 to 10.30 right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 11.30, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha, James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes, alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TAVshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TAVshow.com friend and foe alike. Join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stream Me, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, those kinds of comments, whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has, is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's, it's, there's fear of capitalism. 
because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down. Squashing you. Trampling on your dreams. You need to get rid of them. That's selling fear. There's fear of freedom. I mean, why do, why do you think... Why do you think safe spaces exist? The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings, trigger warnings. Just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie, that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them. Welcome to the, the Daily, Daily Boogie. Boogie. I'm glad a couple of you got that fear bit. That was from a podcast that we did called Fear. If you want to go back and check it out. You know, a lot of, a lot of this shit I'm losing my patience for. It doesn't mean I'm becoming angry. I'm actually going the other way. Like, I was a lot angrier when I was younger. I'm actually becoming uh, becoming far, far more cynical. Far more cynical now. So, um, you know, we now live in a time that is hyper-polarized, right? Hyper-polarized. Where everybody's at each other's throats and they're just looking for excuses. There's talk about civil war and stuff. 
And you know what? To be brutally honest with you, I would have been one of the people, you know, years ago when I was a much younger and angrier man who would have been engaging in, you know, fuck, you, we just need to kill everybody who's against us. Oh, you know. Um, but, you know, as you get older, as you mature, and I, I think, like, what is what is the best way to disarm the politics of fear? It's not to accuse the other person, really, even though I was doing so in that little bit that you heard from that podcast there. Um, maybe, maybe we need to come at this from a different way. Maybe we need to come at this from a dif- uh, different angle and, like, enjoy ourselves a little bit. As somebody who was from the outside looking in, watching the whole MAGA thing take place, I can tell you that the biggest thing that was obvious from it, and I think that even Democrats will say this, actually, I might even bring one up. Um, The biggest thing that was obvious about the MAGA thing was that they were having fun. It's supposed to be fun. Do you know what I mean? Let Let me see if I can find something. No, can't find the video. I remember watching a video a while ago, ladies and gentlemen, where it was a girl and she was a liberal and she was a counter protester to a MAGA rally or something like that. And she was saying, um, Donald Trump's going to win the election because these, these red hat kids, they just have fun. And she was looking around her own side, her comrades, and she's saying, We're not, we don't have fun anymore. We're not having fun. We have, you know, we have created around ourselves an environment that this is life and death, that we need to stop this, that everybody's at risk, everybody's a victim, everyone's in trouble, everyone's going to die. She's like, we are viewing this as a doom and gloom uh, equation. But she said, you look over the barrier and you're supposed to hate these people. And she said, I, she was going, I can't because they look like they're just having fun. <laughs> right? And, you know, like lately I've been, you know, people who come to this channel know that occasionally I'm going to say things that they disagree with. But my working MO is um, if you disagree with me, hopefully you can at least be entertained, right? So we try and have a little bit of fun along the way. But I'm going to say it anyway. I'm, I'm starting to see this trend toward stripping the fun out of it. And again, you don't have to take anything that I say. This is purely as an observer from the outside looking in. Yeah, I, I can't, I'm not MAGA. I'm not, I'm not MAGA. I'm not nothing. I'm not even American. I can't even vote in your elections, right? So understand that I know this. But as an observer, MAGA was fun. It was supposed to be fun, right? And I'm seeing... Um, there's another thing too. There's a generational problem here. Younger people, so like Gen X, Gen Y, millennials, for all of their shortcomings and all of their downsides, they were in large part raised understanding internet culture. Okay. And with social media now being in the homes of everybody, and this isn't, I'm not trying to like make anybody feel bad and stuff, and present company is always excluded. But I see a lot of people from, say, older generations who 
come in and like the outrage, the outrage censorship tinge is starting to show itself once more. And this is why I was saying like, you know, if you, if you want to laugh at snowflakes, then by all means laugh at snowflakes, but please do not act like a snowflake because I will not defend snowflakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't care if you're pro Donald Trump. I don't care if you agree with me 100% politically on, in all areas of life. If you get there and get outraged and go, oh my God, why is this person saying this? This is horrible. I can't understand. This is not fair. It's not fair. How horrible. This is the internet. This is the Wild West. You're going to see things that you don't like. You're going to read things that you don't like. If you get on the outrage bandwagon, then, you know, in my eyes, you're no different from the quote, the libtards. You're no different from the libtards that you're trying to laugh at by calling snowflakes. You need to be better. You need to be better than that. If you want to rail against the snowflakes, then do not be a snowflake. It's that simple, right? And, you know, I, I say this, like I said, I'm going on vacation after this show. And this is the point I'm trying to make. This is what I'm trying to inject into the system here is that if, if you want to laugh at snowflakes, don't be a snowflake. But there's, there's an antidote. The, the only way to oppose tyranny is with freedom. The best way to oppose unhappiness and um, depression is with happiness and jubilation. And the best way to oppose outrage culture where people snap at the drop of a hat, like reactionary emotional outrage culture, is to not get outraged, right? (laughs) That's not to say that things aren't important. That's not to say that you don't have um, strong beliefs, strong principles. But that is to say, if you dislike our current culture of everybody jumping up and down over the slightest thing and you think it's, you know, you think the people that do it are a little bit silly, then please do your best to not replicate their actions. (laughs) Right? So that's what we do here. Thanks for joining us. So I do have a little bit of a story. Let's get in. Let's have some fun. Let's laugh while the world burns around us. There you can see I was looking for that other story. But let's do this one first. Now that I've set you up nicely. I cringe. Trump judicial pick distances herself from date rape dwarf tossing comments. (laughs) I haven't even seen this yet. I haven't seen this yet. Um, But I saw that headline and I thought it's got to be good. (laughs) Wait, wait. One of the judges that Trump nominated was talking about dwarf tossing in her nomination hearing. This I've got to see. Here is your perfect example, ladies and gentlemen, because people are going to be outraged over this. You need to enjoy the shit. <laughs> enjoy, embrace this. Embrace this. A Donald Trump selection was talking about dwarf tossing. Oh, my God. We need to distance ourselves. I disavow. Fuck no. Embrace. Embrace. Those little guys squirm really hard. They're really hard to throw. It's like they're kicking you in the face. They're scratching at you. They're really hard. It's really hard to get a good grip on them so you can get the heave-ho action going because you've got to have momentum. You can go the hammer throw routine, which is getting them by the ankles and swinging around in a circle three times really fast, but that's dangerous because they might go out a window. They might go out a window. And you don't want a lawsuit on your hands, especially when you're a judge. Now we're going to go to another 
a big headline coming out of Washington. New set of subpoenas coming to President Trump and his team. This one about... Did you, no- did you notice how she was going to say bombshell, but then refrained? <laughs> Another bombshell. And then she was like, hang on, are we talking about dwarf tossing, uh, dwarf tossing here? Yeah, it can't be a bombshell. To go to another uh, a b- big uh, headline big coming headline. out of Washington. <laughs> New set of subpoenas coming headline, to President Trump and his team. This one about the inauguration. And there is a particularly blistering quote from Chris Christie. I want to read that for you now. He said that the investigation pre- uh, presents a much more serious threat to the administration, potentially, than what Bob Mueller is doing. By the way, wine in a Pringles can, ladies and gentlemen. If you were late to the show, you missed the whole point about having wine in a Pringles can. Should we do it one more time? Let's do it one more time. I, I, you know what? It's not going to be the last time. Um, if you missed the start of the show, please go back to the beginning and then you'll understand why we're all drinking wine from Pringles cans tonight. But here you go. Here's the um, Super Bowl halftime break for wine in a Pringles can. Excellent. That chick's wife material, as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's carry on. Chris Christie. John Santucci, you've got your finger on the pulse. What can you tell us about that? Hey, Lana, good morning to you. So right now we're following this rapidly developing story. What we're learning is that as Bob Mueller and the special counsel's office... Uh, This isn't about what we want it to be about. I hate it when they put sneaky different videos in is winding down their investigation. Prosecutors in the Southern District of New York served a subpoena yesterday to members of President Trump's inaugural committee. Remember, Lana, this is the massive fund, $107 million raised by the Trump inaugural. It's the most most money raised in any presidential inauguration in modern history. Double... Uh, At her confirmation hearing Tuesday, Naomi Rao... The woman President Donald Trump has nominated to replace Brett Kavanaugh on the powerful federal appeals court in Washington distanced herself from inflammatory remarks she's made on sexual assault, LGBTQ rights, and dwarf tossing. Why are the dwarves placed at the end of that? Surely dwarf tossing must be the first thing mentioned. I, what, are you minimizing dwarf issues now? Do you see what I did there? <laughs> did you see what I did there? I know, it's terrible. It's terrible. I could be an FM jock like that tomorrow, like tomorrow, like yesterday. To be honest, I cringe at some of the language I used, Rao told members of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Rao has been nominated to fill a vacant seat on the US Court of Appeals for the DC Circuit, once held by Kavanaugh, now a Supreme Court justice after a fiery confirmation battle last year, tinged with an allegation of sexual misconduct. Who, who, isn't, who isn't sexually misconducting themselves these days? Who isn't involved in sexual misconduct? It seems to be the only way to get elected to any kind of position in Washington or any kind of government position in any Western country anymore. You can't get there unless you've slapped a few asses on the lie. Do you know what I mean? Everybody's a rapist now. What's the fucking difference? (laughs) 
Like I'm glad I'm glad that um you know people on the right side of the spectrum aren't going hard at Kamala Harris for the whole having an affair thing because it would be entirely pointless. <laughs> that that would only in her enhance her credibility, not diminish it. Ralph faced questions from Democrats on her background ranging from her work as Trump's czar overseeing regulatory rollbacks at, to commentary she wrote years ago at Yale University in which she suggested women should change their behaviour to avoid date rape. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Dear. I'm personally against women avoiding their behaviour to, uh, changing their behaviour to avoid rape. Not for any larger philosophical context. I just really enjoy being in a bar with slutty chicks. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're if you're willing to drink from any glass that's put down in front of you, if you want to wear short skirts and boob tubes, then who am I to complain? Really? Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Women shouldn't avoid date rape. They should they should seek it out. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. That would be horrifying. <clears throat> In a piece she wrote for the Yale Herald in 1994, Rout responded to an alleged date rape incident by writing, quote, It has always seemed self-evident to me that if I drank a lot, I would still be responsible for my actions. She added, that's actually another a good point. How many times do you see, like, um, somebody gets let off for a serious crime and the judge says, well, he was under the influence, therefore I'm reducing the sentence? Like, this particular person was taking a lot of drugs, they were really drunk, therefore, they don't get 40 years, they get 25 years. I'm always like, no, shouldn't it be double? Like, shouldn't shouldn't the sentence be double? You know, because it's worse, right? Because they took uh, a copious amount of intoxicants to get to the point where they're no longer in control of their actions, and then they committed a horrible offence. That doesn't mean that they should get a reduced sentence, that means that they should get more. Like, you don't want to let this person out early. Like, what, are you rewarding them for getting shit-faced before they killed the guy? Are you rewarding them for shooting up, you know, speed before they raped that chick? Like, what the fuck are you... What's what's your problem here? It's actually worse to do that. This is exactly the kind of person that uh, we're trying to protect society from. The kind of person that takes copious, uh, copious amounts of intoxicants and then goes on a rampage. Right, prison, prison is prison is not, you know, to punish people. I get that. It's not. It's not for rehabilitation. The primary function of prison is to protect the people who aren't doing those things from the people that do. That's why it exists. You know, otherwise everybody would be under house arrest. The problem you can't put everybody under house arrest or put them in a hospital is because they'll get out and they'll harm the people in society who aren't doing bad things. That's why prisons exist. It's not to re-educate people. It's not to give people a second chance. It's to protect the people who aren't breaking laws from the people that do. Right? So if it if somebody's, um, you know, getting drunk and shooting up heroin and then going on rampages and running over kids in their car and raping women at the bar and stuff, they they should get double the sentence, <laughs> not half. <laughs> Everything's flipped on its head. She was asked, you currently believe that if a woman who consumes alcohol to the point that she can no longer consent, that it's in part to blame for somebody who rapes her. Senator Patrick Lee, a Vermont Democrat, asked Rao, 
I was trying to make, and perhaps not in the most elegant way, the sort of common sense observation that excessive drinking can lead to risky and dangerous behaviour for both men and women. And, and to that, she's absolutely correct. Which is why I probably shouldn't be doing this show right now because I'm on my third wine from a Pringles can. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to go out and rape somebody, but I may say something I regret. Who's to, who's to know? Embrace the chaos. Here, we'll just have a little sip here. Mm. Lovely. Absolutely wonderful stuff. Wizards third. Mm. Mm. <laughs> You're on your third. I think not, young man. <clears throat> Key Wizard, the lovely Key Wizard. It's the advice my mother gave me. It's the advice that I give my children, and I certainly regret any implication of blaming the victim, Rao said. Well, you know, you've probably heard this saying, nothing good happens after 2 a.m., which is true to an extent. Like, here's here's a little bit of personal booginess for you. I live in Sydney, which is the most populated Sydney uh, city in Australia. Uh, we're on our way to 5 million people living in the city that I live, right? But city uh, Sydney is a sprawling city. It's, it's big. I mean, if 5 million people live there, you can imagine how big it is. And it takes actually like quite a long time. It's, it's like a 40-minute ride on a direct train from where I live to get right into the middle of Sydney, like right into the heart of the city, like the big smoke kind of thing. So um, it's a big place. I hate being in the city. And, you, you, you know, I enjoy drinks at the bar. I enjoy talking with friends. You know, I'll even, I'll even go into a little bit of karaoke or, you know, a little bit of dance floor fun from time to time, you know, just, just for the fuck of it. But I hate being in the city at two o'clock in the morning. You know why? Because you're surrounded by people that just want to beat the shit out of people and chicks that who they were pretty at the start of the night and at the end of the night, they're god-awful, drunken whores. And I hate it. I don't like it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not turned on by drunk women. You know what I mean? You know, buddies of mine are like, oh, let's go out. Let's pick up some drunk chicks. I, 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 I am turned off by chicks. Are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I can't stand it. I dislike it immensely. <laughs> so, you know, what she's saying probably is common sense to a, to a degree. She's not justifying rape. She's saying, well, you know, um, if you... If you're getting drunk and drinking whatever's thrown down your throat at two o'clock in the morning, then you're more likely to end up in a situation that you don't want to be in rather than not likely. And that's not to say that things are good and things, you know, you can do whatever you want and stuff. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. And now people have to apologize for stating facts. 
And see, this is a little different than um, the German mayor who, after the mass rape of women on New Year's Eve a few years ago in Cologne, came out and said, well, you should just make sure that you stay um, a metre and a half away from immigrants and don't wear short skirts. No, that's different. That's a different thing entirely, you see. Because you're talking about like daylight, not drunk, just walking around. Like you need to change how you dress and shit. This woman's actually saying, well, if you get like falling over drunk at a bar and you have sex with somebody, well, you know, you got drunk at the bar to begin with. Statistics, statistics, statistics. Um, Speaking of sex, let's do this one. This is fun. Pornhub gets a new star who has won the internet with his hilariously clean material. (laughs) A man has posted a series of hilarious videos on adult website Pornhub without using any explicit material at all. There he is. (laughs) See, this is the kind of e-celebrity that I can get behind. Uh, Nano says, just saying, if anything goes down your throat, you may be gay. <laughs> Finally got off my ass to the garage and it's money now. Well, oh, thanks for joining us, Jada. <sighs> Pornhub is one of the most popular adult websites in the world. Most of the posts are X-rated, but comedian Ryan Creamer. Yes. See, see, it's the little touches that I love. It's the little touches, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan Creamer on Pornhub. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ryan Creamer, 26, is spreading wholesome messages which have racked up more than a million views. His channel contains videos such as I offer you water in case you are parched, uh, parched post-orgasm and I hug you and say I had a really good time tonight and then I go home. <laughs> Show us the videos. I don't know. Can, can I play Pornhub videos? I don't know. Because even the thumbnails... Nah, look, if I if I bring up Pornhub, the thumbnails are going to be explicit and I can't, you know, I can't get them out of the shot. I can show you that he's got the titles of the videos here. They only go for like 12 seconds. So here's one of them. I hug you and say I had a really good time tonight and then I go home. <laughs> On Pornhub. <laughs> I, your stepbrother, decline your advances, but am flattered nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) Sam says, I'm sure they're fapping to him anyway. (laughs) Do you want to come more? POV, which is point of view, forehead kiss compilation. Someone asked, what was his name? Ryan Creamer. Ryan Creamer. There he is. Ryan Creamer. (laughs) I tuck you in after you have come. (laughs) I do the dishes without being asked. (laughs) Oh, what a genius. What a fucking genius. See, shit like this just makes me know that there's hope for humanity yet. When the rest of the corporate press and the politicians and the doom, the doomsayers in our environment, ladies and gentlemen, are trying to tell us that there's no hope, then a guy like this comes along and posts 30-second videos on Pornhub that are called I Do the Dishes Without Being Asked, and people masturbate to it. It's fucking brilliant. It's utterly brilliant. What a genius. 
I ride in a taxi and don't have sex with the driver. <laughs> he's he's found like the perfect niche market because every every possible like sick and twisted pornographic scenario has been covered. So now he's just going to cover it in the reverse and make it wholesome and nice. <laughs> One person joked that this is the kinkiest thing on Pornhub. Another said, I'm crying. Who is he? Another added, is this the Canadian side of Pornhub? Oh, well done. Well done. Bravo. Ryan Creamer, ladies and gentlemen. What an absolute superstar. I love his work. All right, let's go to something else. Man breaks in, man breaks lingerie store window to attack Barack Obama mannequin. <laughs> This is great on a couple of levels. Not only did a guy break a lingerie store window to attack a Barack Obama mannequin, the most shocking thing to me when I read that was, why is Barack Obama a mannequin in a lingerie store? (laughs) Why is is Barack in the window? Does Barack know that he's selling, like, edible panties now? (laughs) The former president... Ladies and gentlemen, the former president of the United States, look at this funnel bra. <laughs> Is he there with the fanny hose, with the straps? Is he wearing a funnel bra with a strap? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> See, the guy could have broken into the lingerie store to attack the Barack Obama mannequin. He might have been a Barack Obama supporter because he doesn't like the way that the former president is being represented in the community or something. But apparently not. Apparently not. (laughs) Gets better. The suspect allegedly told a shop employee that the mannequin was talking to him and he didn't like what it said. (laughs) You could keep your doctor. Fuck you! Fuck you, Brock. I don't care if you do look sexy in those edible panties. Your ass is mine. Do you want to see the guy break it in? Let's have a look. There he is. There's Barack. We went to the window and then we seen a cinder block and then we seen a man like pacing. So he said Barack Obama was telling him something and you know, Barack Obama is not going to talk to him like that and that he doesn't like Barack Obama. And then he said, like, do a Trump and Barack Obama to get like, you know, political views and stuff like that. It's in Harlem. Obama was dressed as Santa. So then what was his name? Raul? Is that how you would say that? Ruel? Ruel. Ruel Atatunga said he didn't like, was charged with criminal mischief. Ah, mischief. Mischief. Mischief is like a, you know, um, Dennis the Menace kind of story, isn't it, really? Mischief. What's mischief? What, did he take out his slingshot and knock down your favourite gnome out of the garden? Come on, please. So then when they went to him, they was like, did you break the window? And he didn't deny it. He was like, yes, I did. I broke the window. I broke the window. Good for you, young man. Making us He's standing up against oppression. A New York man is, of course, <laughs> a New York man is facing charges of criminal mischief. 
I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you dastardly kids selling lingerie for allegedly breaking the front window of a lingerie store last month to attack a Barack Obama mannequin. Police arrested 41-year-old Ruel Altanaga Altanaga, on January 26 after surveillance videos uh, allegedly showed him using a cinder block to smash the window of Romantic Depot, an adult store in Harlem. Harlem, baby. Store manager Corinne Liu told New York station WABC she didn't know how to react at first. What? What What do you mean you didn't know how to react at first? Um, well, here's the thing. I've never owned a store, but I imagine my first reaction would be, okay, we've got to fix that fucking window. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know how to react? <laughs> hello, hello, Corinne. Yes, somebody's just broken the window of your store. Oh, I don't know how to deal. I don't know what to do. You get the fucking window fixed, man. Jesus Christ, this isn't rocket science. All we heard was glass shattering, so we're looking around like, what is going on, she said. At first, we thought one of the mannequins fell through the window. All of us ran outside. We didn't see anyone until we went to the window and saw a cinder block. Okay, so it wasn't a mannequin. Someone threw it. So we started looking around to see who could it be, and then we seen a man pacing. Turns out... The window that Altanaga allegedly broke showcased a display with an Obama mannequin dressed as a prince and President Trump dressed as a princess. Oh, do do you see how now we get the full story? After five paragraphs and a video, we get the story, right? Obama was a prince and President Trump was dressed as a princess wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Ah, oh, I see. I see. See, I, if you what if you only watch that news clip, let's watch it again. Was there any mention of Donald Trump being in the window at all? Let's have a look. We went to the window and then we seen a cinder block. See, this is the thing. Like, I'm not I'm not advocating people smash a window because I don't care about that stuff. I would walk past and laugh. That's the way you've got to disarm this shit is to laugh at it and say, wow, these people are fucking dumb, man. Look at this shit. That's fucking, that's terrible. I might go in there and buy a pair of edible panties and take a photo with the Trump mannequin as a princess just to show how much I don't care about this stuff. But why not mention it in the video? Why not say? Most people are only going to watch the video. 90% of people will only watch a video. 90% of people don't get five paragraphs into a Huffington Post story as evidenced by the thousands of people being fired from the Huffington Post. Right? And then we seen a man like pacing. So he said Barack Obama was telling him something and you know, Barack Obama is not going to talk to him like that and that he doesn't like Barack Obama. And then he dragged him out the window. We always do a Trump and Barack Obama to get like, you know, political views and stuff like oh, that. Oh, she did. She said, to be fair, all right, she said, we always do a Trump and Obama to get like political views and there's Donald Trump dressed as a hot dog. With Barack Obama dressed, you know, as a member of Antifa. There you go. To be fair, I, I retract. I retract. She said it. I retract. I put my hand up. There it is. There's my hand. Okay. We all good? Okay. One of the people on our security team, a smaller guy, was able to catch him and held him for the police. Romantic Depot owner Glenn Bazzetti told the Daily News. It's always an Italian guy behind these establishments, isn't it? Some Italian guy, like, in his mid-50s, he's, like, 4 foot 10. He's got grey hair on the sides, but, like, 
jet black hair on top that's always gelled. And he just swaggers in. He drives a Lincoln. You know what I mean? <laughs> the manager in the um, the adult sex store in Harlem is a black chick, but the owner is an Italian guy who lives like you know, <laughs> lives on Long Island somewhere. <laughs> Bazzetti said store employees had to protect the suspect from a crowd of angry Obama fans. Why? Why would they be angry? He was surrounded. We put our loss prevention people out and surrounded him, he told the Daily News. He could have been killed. We had women trying to kick him in the head. We had to protect him because he had damaged the Obama image. Whoa, 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 whoa. I I thought we were against demagoguery. Weren't we? Weren't we against demagoguery? We had to protect him because he had damaged the Obama image? Really? Hey, are you stereotyping Italians, asked Big Blue Stew? No, no, no. Only the ones that own sex stores in Harlem. Okay? <laughs> I'm stereotyping the Italians who own sex stores in Harlem, Big Blue Stew. You are safe, Paisano. Bazzetti also said Altanuga, Altanaga was a Trump supporter who kept repeating after he was caught that he hated Obama and Obama ruined the country. There you go. Lou told WABC she believes Altanaga was mentally ill. Ah, oh, of course he was. And she told WPIX that he said the Obama mannequin was talking to him and he didn't like what Obama was saying. Well, I'm not doubting that he was mentally ill. I'm not doubting that at all. I mean, the guy threw a cinder block through a window of a of a lingerie store because he thought a mannequin was talking to him. Of course, he's fucking mentally ill. <laughs> uh. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, we'll see. Now, here's the video. Maga nut breaks windows at Romantic Depot, Manhattan. Okay. Magna. Magna nut. There he is. <laughs> he obviously didn't like what he saw. You can see. Look at him. Straight into the building site. Grabs a cinder block. He doesn't fuck around, does he? There you go. <laughs> days all right <laughs> thanks for joining us ladies and gentlemen let's do this one is feminism in crisis there's a show on the bbc in the uk ladies and gentlemen called the big questions the big questions the pressing matters and what they do is they get um people from various sides to come around and sit down and have a conversation with an audience and the audience ask questions of these various intellectuals about what's going on in society and I only watched like the first minute and a half of this and straight away I found something which I had to show you, which I thought was absolutely incredible. Check this out. Now this week, Jermaine Greer celebrated her 80th birthday, arguably the most influential feminist of her generation in... If you don't know who Jermaine Greer is, she's an Australian who lives in the UK. Um, she refuses to call herself an Australian, even though she is an Australian, because uh, Australia was colonised by the UK, like by the English, by sending Irish prisoners here about, you know, 
somewhere between 200 and 300 years ago, not that that matters to feminists. But so she's an Australian who lives in the UK. She wrote a book um, decades ago called The Female Eunuch, and it is held up as one of second wave feminism's um, most prized pieces. This is a trophy in the feminist cabinet of oppression, the female eunuch. Um, But she's recently found herself on the opposite side because, as many have pontificated upon, um, new wave feminism doesn't take too kindly to feminists saying things like women should be free to make their own choices. Uh, You know, if a woman wants to be a stripper at a strip club, that's up to her. She can do that. She has the freedom to do that. Remember how feminists used to burn bras? Well, now feminists wear hijabs. Okay? Just, Just in case you didn't know. Um, once upon a time, feminists used to burn bras and talk about sexual liberation, but now feminists wear hijabs and talk about how a feminist, a female can have a penis. That's how things have shifted from one generation of feminists to the next. So I found it, um, rather delightful and delectable and delicious because I've been someone who's been trying to talk to the left for a, a long, 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 long time that if they continue to pursue this angle of progress, that they will eventually eat themselves and become nothing but a shell. And then who's going to represent um, the blue-collar workers when you do this? Like, if if you adopt these hard-left, university-tier, upper-middle-class, you know, navel-gazing, ridiculous politics, if you embrace this full-scale and if this becomes what you are, then who's going to represent the working class? <laughs> like, what will you be? You will become the enemy at that point. You will become, uh, you will be on the opposite end of my polemical sword when you do this. And they're like, ah, no, we've got to represent the oppressed. We've got to worry about the marginalised. I'm like, stop using that language. Come on now. No, 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 no. You're missing, you're missing the point here. Don't fuck it up. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Uh, you know, the trans women, they're oppressed and they need... And I'm like... <sighs> and then, you know what happens when you point this out? Next thing you know, Sam, Sam's in the chat. He's a Democrat. He'll know this. When you start pointing this shit out, guess what happens? You become a Nazi. Yay! Yay! Everybody's a Nazi now. You become a Nazi that's hated and needs to be hunted down and you're a bigot and you hate women. And you hate tra- You're transphobic. Fuck you. You're a right-wing conspiracy theorist. You're a Nazi pig. That's the way it goes. <laughs> let's, let's, say, let's have a little look. Britain. Now she is perhaps more famous for upsetting today's feminists. Last year, while acknowledging that some rapes are spectacularly violent crimes, she said others could be thought of as non-consensual, that is, bad sex. She called the Me Too movement whinging because it counted girls spreading their legs to get an offer of a movie role as the same thing as non-consensual sex. Well, three years ago, students tried to stop her from speaking at Cardiff University because of what they dubbed her transphobic views against men who had transitioned to being female. Greer does not regard them as being women. Jermaine Greer, the feminist, came out and said, men who have um, surgery to remove their penis are not women, like definitionally. And can you imagine if you were if you were once a hero of the feminist movement for like 40 years of your life, 
as someone who you know spoke about um you know women need to women need to take charge of their own life and shit like that and i'm somebody who disagrees with like most of what jermaine greer says don't get me wrong but to this point i think she has one because i'm not a raving um partisan lunatic and i'm able to identify um good arguments on the other side when they present themselves so Jermaine Greer to this point says, you know, like women need to take control of their lives and, you know, don't be told what to do, but decide for yourself. And I think that's all well and good. That's fine. That's, that's, I I don't have a problem with that. But then of course she had the audacity to suggest the definitional obvious reality that, um, a man who was born a man who undergoes surgery to remove his penis. Well, they actually don't remove it. I think they suck out the bit in the middle, like the meaty part, and then they push the penis sleeve into the abdomen, which then becomes a vagina. I think that's the way it works. So they don't actually, they don't technically cut off the penis. They suck the innards of the penis out and then push the skin in. And that becomes like, you know, the uh, pseudo vaginal wall, if you will. Um, Someone can prove me wrong on that. I dare you to (laughs) send me a link and I'll read it. Fuck yeah. So, um, you know, she dared to suggest that people who are born men who undergo this procedure are not technically women. They're not women. You, you, in order to be a woman, you have to be born a woman. And, of course, um, if, you're a, if you're a thought leader in the feminist movement for the last 30 or 40 years and you then find yourself um, going to give a speech at a university and feminists you know, people that you would have thought that are on your team then come out and march against you and get you banned from speaking at universities, all of a sudden, I, I, I can just imagine Jermaine sitting back for all the times that I've disagreed with her. I can just imagine her on that night, perhaps enjoying a nice glass of whiskey or something, reflecting on the day's events reflecting on the fact that she just got no platform from speaking at a university by feminists and she is like the feminist goddess. She's like, for the last 30 years, feminists have listened to every single thing that I say. And now the feminists are getting me banned from speaking at universities. And I'd like to think that just in that moment, she had a like a, a moment of clarity. Something something came upon her, and it, and she realised that not everything is right in the state of Denmark. Do you know what I mean? And she realised that those people that she's diminished and demonised and criticised over the last twenty years, who were saying, "If you continue on this path, it will have, it will create a logical chain of events that can only lead to your own destruction." And where she laughed and said, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand. You're not a woman. You don't get it. I'd like to think in that moment when she realized that she can no longer give speeches at universities because the feminists don't want her there because she's now a bigot. She's now a bigot. I used to say to these people, you you call me a bigot today. One day you will be the bigot. You will be the racist. You will be the homophobe. You will be the transphobe one day. If this continues. And they would say, shut up, you bigot. You don't know what you're talking about, stupid man. I'm like, okay, okay. But, but one day you are going to be over here with me. 
So it's better that we're friends now than enemies later, right? And here we are. <laughs> of course it's happening. Anybody could see that it was happening. Because dropping off from the cliff of reality brings with it certain consequences. And those who cling to those, you know, allegedly antiquated notions such as you need to be a man in order to be a man and you need to be a woman in order to be a woman, well, I'm afraid you must go by the wayside in the new millennia of progress, comrade. You are now the enemy. You are now the bigot. You are now the racist. You are now the homophobe. You are now the transphobe and you didn't even know it. And for 30 years, 40 years, you thought you were doing the right thing and you had all the best intentions, intentions pure as the driven snow, rainbows shooting out of your ass. You only wanted what was best for people. And yet, today, you and I, here we are, together, as bigots and homophobes. Ain't that the darndest thing? She's not the only former heroine of the feminism movement to now be regarded as beyond the pale. So, is feminism in crisis? Dr. Sheila Jeffries. Is feminism in crisis? Jermaine Greer, <laughs> is she still? Was she ever? Let's hear from the author of the, what was it? The, <laughs> the Industrial Vagina. <laughs> be regarded as beyond the pale. So, is feminism in crisis? Dr. Sheila Jeffries, author of The Industrial Vagina. Jermaine Greer, is she still, was she ever a feminist icon? I think Jermaine Greer has been much attacked and pilloried because there is not respect for old women intellectuals in the way that there is for men. She's had made a hugely... Ah. <clears throat> mm. <clears throat> <I've... laughs> My eye is twitching. <laughs> I fully expect the author of The Industrial Vagina to blame feminists getting angry at Jermaine Greer on men. <laughs> well, of, well, of course Jermaine Greer isn't respected as an intellectual anymore by modern-day feminists. You know why? The patriarchy. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> Jermaine Greer, is she still, was she ever a feminist icon? I think Jermaine Greer has been much attacked and pilloried because there is not respect for all... <laughs> no, 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 She's been much attacked and pilloried because the, the, the movement that you, people like you, Sheila Jeffries, helped create has now turned into Frankenstein's monster and is now seeking to feast on the brains of those who created it. You have created a horde of zombies who are no longer reacting to any kind of logic or reason or argument whatsoever and instead are trying to liberate menstruation emojis on fucking Twitter. Do you do you see this this is this is not our this is not the guy's fault. We were like, yeah, you can vote, you can do whatever you want. We don't care. Ah, do whatever. Yeah, write your feminist books. We're not we're not worried. It's not it's not the patriarchy's fault. 
it's not the fault that oh, female intellectuals aren't viewed as favourably as male intellectuals. That's why Jermaine Greer is getting attacked. No, Jermaine Greer is getting attacked because 40 years ago, feminists were saying you need to burn your bras. And then somewhere between 40 years ago and today, it turned into we need menstruation emojis in text form and we need to celebrate women who have fucking penises. That's the problem. That's why she's getting attacked. It's got nothing to do with the it's got nothing to do with the way men intellectuals are viewed compared to female intellectuals. It's got to do with the fact that your followers don't know the difference between male intellectuals and female intellectuals because they think female intellectuals can have a dick. That's the problem. Don't blame us. She's had made a hugely important contribution to feminism, but it was an intellectual contribution. She was never really making the posters in in the campaign groups. See, see the subtle thing here. They're talking about Jermaine Greer in the past tense, like she's dead already. She's finished. She's done. She's already over. We can't ha- we can't have her on. She made an incredible contribution. She was influence was. <laughs> she, it's over for Jermaine. She dared suggest that um, women have vaginas, and she must be excommunicated from the feminist movement. <laughs> And so she's not always been plugged into what are feminists and women thinking at a particular point so in time. So those views don't necessarily represent mainstream feminism. They don't. Today. What the but fuck is what the fuck sense- is mainstream feminism? See, mainstream feminism infers that feminism is inherently popular. We know for a fact that like less than one in fifteen women actually identify as a feminist. This is a fringe, 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 fringe set of ideologies and political beliefs and beliefs about gender and stuff that are pushed through, you know, certain certain departments in universities upon which certain people come out. But unfortunately, these people who have these kinds of backgrounds and these kinds of education get hired not only in government, ladies and gentlemen, but also in private industry, where the private industry feels like that they need to appeal to a female audience or something. So they'll get the person that had the highest score in gender studies in in a particular university. Next thing you know, uh, that company is then shifting their whole message to say, you know, if you're a woman with a dick, you can be part of this too. Like, we love you. You know what I mean? That's how things like uh, the Target toilet scandal happen. It's not that the people that run Target and work at Target believe in what they're pushing. It's that, you know, somebody on the board who is completely detached from reality because they view the world through the bulletproof glass of their chauffeur-driven cars get the idea that in order to be modern and progressive and stay ahead of the market, we need to do what everybody else is doing. So they'll hire somebody from one of these feminist studies or gender studies, um, you know, universities and pluck them out and give them a role of changing the company's messaging through inclusive language and inclusive policies in order to appeal to a broad spectrum of people. Shit like that, right? You know, like, here's the thing. I, I did a couple of subjects on this. They don't talk about talking to people. See, when I talk to people, I talk to people. They won't even say we're talking to people. They'll say we're engaging with stakeholders. Everything is um, smashed with management speak. It's a complete brain fog. If if you're doing um, any kind of study or collaboration with people who have this kind of education, you will find yourself at times like sitting back in your chair going, I don't even know what language these people are speaking. Because I was taught good writing and good, um, you know, good speech and is it, it has to be succinct. 
if you can explain something in 10 words, that is ideal, that is optimal. If you need 50 words to explain what I can do in 10 words, then you're doing the wrong thing. They're actually taught the opposite now. They're taught to use all of these buzzwords. Here's, here's a real life example for you. My wife is currently going through university and she was forced to take one unit of one of these sociology degrees, right? Like she has to do one unit of sociology in order to get her bigger degree, which is in business. Business. And she's a very, very, very smart cookie. And she was reading this stuff and she's like, this is mindless. This is, this is ridiculous. This is dribble. I don't even know how to approach it. So I helped her with a couple of her assignments and I said, look, here's, here's the first thing you need to know. Just take the buzzwords that these people use and just put them into a paragraph. And she's like, I don't know what you mean. I said, trust me, just talk, just mention things like systemic oppression, right? If, if, you, if you start off systemic oppression, when engaging with stakeholders, systemic oppression needs to be evaluated and conditionalized, make up words. Make up words, I'm telling you. Conditionalized and normalized, uh, our normalcy bias, thanks to systemic oppression, leads us to um, perceive our working conditions as unrelatable to those who have different um, conditions from which they enter the business. Shit like, like shit like that. And she's like, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, I know it doesn't make sense, but that's the way you need to approach it because these people are not intelligent. So you just need to use the buzzwords. You need to you need to use their language. She got distinctions in every fucking assignment. One of them I watched her do. She did it in three hours. It was supposed to take two weeks. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I just went on the website and I just got the buzzwords that they use and I inserted it in and made it up, basically. She got it like a distinction because it's designed for dumb people, ultimately. It is, it is designed for dumb people to think that they're smart. It doesn't, exactly, Kim, it doesn't have to make sense. That's not the point of it. You just have to say, like, ultimately all um, study and all marking in an academic sense is, is based on this principle. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good you appear to the person marking you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I put, I put in a couple of uh, assignments when I was doing some writing and stuff in a university class. And, you know, the first one, like I figured out my, my professor's political leanings. And then in the first one that I did, I went opposite to what he, he wanted because I, I didn't care about the mark. I was just doing it for myself. I paid out of my own pocket. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll take a couple of, I'll take a couple of semesters in this just to see what these kids are up to. Really, that was the whole story of it. And I already knew most of it, but they have different terms for things and like different terms for like the tone of writing that they use and stuff that I wasn't aware of now. But I did it anyway. And I sent the first one in and this thing was a work of art. Like I, I sweated over it. It was fantastic. It was amazing. But it came from a place of like climate skepticism and right-wing politics. And I got, I got like 65 out of 100. I got the lowest possible mark for a pass. And then for the next one, I submitted something that I wrote in two hours. I intentionally left in spelling mistakes. I'm, I'm not even joking to you. This is 100% hand on heart. I intentionally left in spelling mistakes and just used 
um, left-wing buzzwords and talking points in a political sense, and I got 95. And the guy was actually, like, quoting things where I would make a joke about right-wing politics in, like, uh, you know, this, this piece that I wrote and make, like, a really shitty joke. It would have spelling mistakes and grammatical errors, and he would quote it. And instead of correcting the spelling mistakes and grammat- uh, grammatical errors, the note would say, ha, 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 good one. This is from the professor. <laughs> I'm not joking. I have no reason to lie to you. This is how bad it is. Of the reading materials I was given to cover the course, nine out of the ten reading materials were straight out of uh, Marx's school of thought. And I know it because I've already done it. So for the last assignment, you had to present like a diary and I never, I never went back and checked my marks after I handed in my last assignment, which was this diary entry. And in the diary entry, I explained um, what I learned, which was like the different terms that we use now um, when we're describing different styles of writing and shit that I didn't know, which is fair enough. And I said, basically, I didn't learn anything else than that, except for this is a complete farce. And then I proceeded to explain how I presented two assignments as a, an experiment, you know, and you failed basically to the professor. <laughs> And then I cancelled, um, you know, I, I deleted uh, his email address and I, I deleted my login and password to my university account to get all of the um, textbooks and shit and I never went back. It was a big fuck you. And it was more than deserving, I thought. Feminism in crisis, feminism is doing hugely better now than it has for a very long time. Uh, there was a, more than a decade when feminism was so completely in the doldrums, it was almost invisible. And we're at a watershed moment. Uh, we're at a watershed moment in two ways, obviously the, the Me Too movement, but also in terms of feminist anger, the fury of women that is rising uh, around the issue of transgender rights as they realise that a lot of their gains are now being subjected to men who cross-dress, wanting to enter their spaces and even speaking for feminism in some ways. Well, that is... Ain't that the darndest thing? Ain't that the darndest thing, ladies and gentlemen? That moment of realisation. We're in trouble here. We've got men wearing dresses telling us what feminism is. Damn. All right. Let's move on. Let's have a bit more fun. Drunk driver tries to dance his way out of an arrest. This is the moment a drunk driver tried to dance his way out of a DUI arrest. Christopher Larson, I, I love his industriousness. I'm a, I'm a fan. Absolutely. Christopher, well done, sir. Christopher Larson, 33, was confronted by a police deputy in, in, in Holiday, Florida. I didn't know there was a place called Holiday. That's, that, isn't that a little bit obvious? Isn't that kind of obvious advertising? Dude, why the cut? We need more. Do you want to hear more? Do you seriously want to hear more? They have me too in Australia. No, no. Every 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 girl here just drinks too much beer. You'll be pleased to know. I, I didn't know. Do people want to hear more from the feminists? Say yeah. Put one if you want to hear more from the feminists. Put two if you don't want to hear more from the feminist discussion. It's up to you. While I'm waiting, I'll continue on. Larson appears to burst out some fancy dance moves to evade arrest, but needless to say, the deputy was not impressed. Let's have a look shows Pasco County's latest arrest for driving under the influence. All right, man. 
So how much have you been drinking tonight? This man, 34-year-old Christopher Larson, started a sobriety test, then started dancing. This gentleman started to not take it seriously. He started dancing. And while some citizens might find that funny, we don't hear at the sheriff's office. According to the arrest report, deputies noticed a parked truck running in front of a business off Grand Boulevard in Holiday and found Larson asleep behind the wheel. Hey, can you turn off the car, man? Yeah. Hey, put your phone on the brake. Okay, I'm seeing more twos and ones. You're going to have to remind me which one was one and which one was two. Was one more feminism or less feminism? Put one for more feminism or two for less feminism in regards to the original question. While we're waiting, let's watch this clip. Get out of the car, man. Step up, step up. Deputies say Larson told them he thought he was in Clearwater. Watch this light right here, only with your eyes. Pasco County Sheriff's Office spokesperson Kevin Dahl tells me Larson is the third person deputies arrested and charged with DUI just this week. <laughs> Yesterday we had a woman who was passed out in the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru with an eight-year-old child in the back. She was really high on prescription drugs. Okay. <laughs> According to police, Larson was found to have a 0.28 blood alcohol content, which is triple the legal limit in Florida, which is 0. Uh, 0.08. It's only 0. 0.05 here. No more feminism. 222. Two, two. Okay, okay. No more feminism. When the officer found Larson asleep behind the wheel, he knocked on the window and shouted for some time before he finally woke up. Ah, oh, you know what we're going to have to do now. Ben will love this. This is Ben's favorite clip. Speaking about having too much alcohol. What happened, mate? Pardon? What's going on? I'm just waiting for a mate. Just waiting Is for that a mate. Your car's all smashed up and you're up on the grass at the moment, or what? Yeah. I'm just yeah. waiting for a mate. He's gone in, in there. Why? I'm just wondering how, <laughs> how, how, how the collision with your car happened, mate. What collision? What collision? Well, the one that's got your, all your wheels and stuff twisted up. <laughs> Some bumper bars hanging off. What collision? There's no collision, well, you fucking idiot. I'm just waiting for a mate, as I said. Who's I'm your just mate? waiting for a mate. Hey? Who's your mate? James. Yeah? James who? He's in huh? there. How'd you get down here? Oh, what How'd a tricky question. He, oh, he's like, fuck a tricky yeah, bastard. It does, mate, because you've just been involved in an accident. <laughs> no, I haven't. Yes, you have. Have I? Yeah. Have I? What kind of accident? What kind of accident? One with a curb, mate. And yeah, just car. parked here. Just wait for a mate. Can I see your license, please? No. No? No. No. Been drinking tonight? No. I can smell it on you. Yeah? Yeah. One more. That's fine, mate. Your car's been involved in an accident. No donuts were harmed. You're an occupant of the car? Oh, I haven't even... All right, so what I'll get you to do, because of the fact you don't want to show me your license, get you to stand out of the car for me, please. Senior Constable Ash Bowden has found a young man in a damaged car. It's run onto a garden in a car park, but the driver <laughs> reckons it's nothing out of the ordinary. Hop out of the car now. I love this guy. Out of the car now. Yeah, or get your license out. Make a decision. Well, I don't have a license. I'm sitting here because... I'm waiting for a mate. I'm waiting for a mate. <laughs> and... I don't understand why there's six people standing around me. Because we're working, mate, and you've had a car crash. No, I haven't. You're drunk. Am I? Yeah, you are, mate. I can smell it all over you. So up out of the car. I'm not. No, easy. Come on. 
you don't want to tell me who you are or produce a lot. Do you see how friendly our police are compared to yours? You would have... You, Americans, I love you. My Ameri bros and my Ameri sisters, you would have shot this piece of shit by now. <laughs> you can come over this way to the police car. The motorist continues to deny any association with Look alcohol, at the bourbon in the his evidence car. is everywhere. Over this way, mate. Over no, the don't police go car. pushing me around. Come over this way, like I said, to the police car. I have nothing on me, as I said before. I'm oh, just waiting way. for a mate, mate. Car for don't go pushing me around. Just stand there, mate. I'm not f***ing argumentative with you. I'm not being argumentative right. with you. I'm just asking as you to do said, a few things. I have nothing on me. I love that he right. argues with the car. car. I don't know. Well, what's your name? Let's start know. with that. James. I don't know. What's James. Name, I'm James. What's your last name? A suspected driver has been lying to Senior Constable Ash Bowden, but finally comes clean. What's your last name? My name's... Look at your car, mate. Clinton. You've had an accident. Kimmy says he would have got shot it's only if he was obvious. I've pulled it back because there was, like, 20 people around there before. So you drove the car no, backwards, did you? I'll start walking. Focus on me, Clint. I'll start walking home. Just Monterey. let me go. I'll walk home. Because I'm not happy with who you are. Put your hands behind your back. Now sit down here in the back of the police car where you can have a think. I told you who I was. And I'll start working out who you are. I love these tones. I told you who I was, sir. No, I don't. I wasn't. Probably 12 months ago. For what? <laughs> Doing driving. <laughs> okay, so you, you shouldn't be driving at the moment? I'll be over in the other seat very shortly. <laughs> the driver continues to protest his innocence, but once he's settled down, love Ash guy. removes love the handcuffs and conducts a breath test. I'll do this for you. Just con- I'll, that, I'm that's only doing it for you, mate. Yeah, so I'm only doing control. it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I trust you. Yeah. Salvatore says his mate crashed it, maybe. Oh. I don't know if he's covering for his mate. I think he's waiting for a mate that doesn't come. Where's his mate now? You get that one? Why yeah, hasn't the working. mate shown up? Where's James? Is that James there in the ute? All right, Clint. Still doesn't mean I'm driving. In my opinion, to the fact that I can obviously smell alcohol on you, yes. you've been driving the vehicle, you've been but involved in the collision. I haven't driven the vehicle. Okay, and now I haven't driven the vehicle. Accompany me to a police station <laughs> for the purpose of the breath test. I have not driven the vehicle. Ah, listen, you got to listen to me, okay? It's very important. All right. Now I request you to accompany me to a police station for an evidential breath test. Okay where you must remain there until you're given a certificate of analysis. His mate was more three burning. hours, whichever's quicker. Like I'll do that. Yeah, Aussie coppers are hilarious. Oh, right. <laughs> I have not driven a vehicle. I have not driven a vehicle. A collision scene I've with not, this vehicle. I have not driven a few witnesses are already vehicle. watching him. Right. We've spoken to those witnesses and they've uh, re- reconfirmed as of the fact James, that he was James, plot twist. James shows up in his car. And we are happy with that. Now he's obviously blown into the breath testing instrument and we're taking him back for a further breath test at the station. If only it was that simple. What are you not the young man is still not me, finished. Just look at me and just concentrate on me, mate. It's I'm quite, not sure that you're it's quite a, serious. a federal officer. Off the- oh, this is the best bit. This is the best bit of the whole thing. He then questions the authority of the police by saying, I'd, maybe you're faking it. Maybe you're, maybe you're just a couple of guys with a TV crew and vests and guns and badges. How do I know that you're actually real police? <laughs> I was like, great play, man. Great play. I love this. That's 4D chess right there. Wait, hang on a minute. What if you're not actually really police officers? What if you're just fucking with me? Like, what am I? Is this a prank? Am I getting punked right now? You know, I love it. I love it. Drunk logic. If if you could get drunk logic 
Well, actually, I was going to say, if you could bottle Drunk uh, Logic, you'd make a million dollars. People already have. Drunk Logic, you can get it right now at your local liquor store. It's called bourbon. <laughs> just concentrate on me, mate. It's I'm quite, not sure that you're it's quite a, serious. a federal officer of the law. I'm not a federal officer. I'm a I'm, well, I'll, I'll move on then. I'm a Victorian police officer, mate. <laughs> no, well, that's not okay. Good. Let's not go around in circles. Because <laughs> Victoria is a state in Australia. So he's like, I'm not even sure that you're a federal officer of the law. And the cop tells the truth and he says, I'm not a federal officer. I'm a, an officer for the, like, I'm a Victorian police officer. I'm an officer for the state of Victoria. And he's like, and Clinton goes, all right, well, I'll move on then. And he just gets out, and he starts to get out of the car. <laughs> See, in another dimension, Clinton is actually working for NASA. Clinton is working for NASA and he's figuring out ways to, you know, enter new dimensions of reality. I'm not even sure that you're a federal officer of the law, mate. Well, I'm not. I w I'm a Victorian police officer. Well, I'll just be on my way. <laughs> I'm I'm, well, I'll, I'll move on then. I'm a Victorian I'll police officer. I'll move on officer, then. No, well, that's not okay. good That's Finished. not good enough. Just look at me and just concentrate on me, mate. It's I'm quite, not sure that you're it's quite a, serious. a federal officer of the law. I'm not a federal officer. I'm I'm, well, I'll, I'll move on then. I'm a Victorian police officer, mate. No, well, that's not okay. good that's Let's not, good not go around in circles. Are you not a federal officer of the law? Let's not go around in circles. Are you a federal officer of the law? Do you want to come are back? You? No, I asked you Clinton, a Clinton, shut up and listen to me. It's no. quite serious. No. Now, no. I've answered no. your question. I've asked you Do you question. want to come back to the police station? Not really, no. Because Ash knows who the driver is. Man, the best lesson I ever got when I was a young lad. You know, you go to the bar and you're drinking stuff and you're having a bit of fun and shit. And, um, you know, things happen from time to time. <laughs> Let's put it that way. The best advice I ever got as a young lad was from an older fella. And he said, mate, you can fuck around with whoever you want. Like, you can bullshit whoever you want. Just don't fuck around with the cops. I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, mate, if the coppers pull you over, don't be a smart ass. Just say, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, sir, no, sir. Just just be upfront and honest. Like, if, if they pull you over and you got weed in the car, do you have weed in the car? Yes, sir. Here it is. You got me. Don't fuck them around. Because if you make them do extra paperwork, if you make them, like, have to go above and beyond to prove their original suspicion, then they're going to fuck you twice as hard. And to this day, when I get pulled over by a copper, I'm like, "Good evening, sir." And they're always they're always friendly, they're always nice. Then they say, "How are you going, sir?" Just a random breath check or whatever whatever they're doing, just a random check. I'm like, "No problem, sir. Would you like to see my license, sir?" And they're like, "Absolutely." And then at the end, they thank me. Have a good night. Thanks. Thanks for stopping. I'm like, "Not a problem, sir. You're just doing your job." Best advice I ever got. All right, we'll do the other one. What's the other one with the guy? Ah, oh, if anyone can remember that clip. Here we go. 
event? Oh, well, it's really quite funny. I was, I was in bed sleeping at uh, 2 o'clock this morning. My wife comes in and says, oh, the shop's been, uh, someone ran into the shop. And I said, oh, what? So I jumped out of bed and all I had was my undies on and I've walked out the front and I've seen... Uh, <laughs> the and I've seen Jesus in the chat. Thank you for joining us. Um, Your Excellency, is that is that what I'm supposed to say? Your Excellency, Son of God. Uh, Jesus in the chat says, yeah, every time I get pulled over, good evening, sir, hooker tied up in the trunk. <laughs> oh, well, it's really quite funny. I was I was in bed sleeping at uh, 2 o'clock this morning. My wife comes in and says, oh, the shop's been, uh, someone ran into the shop. And I said, oh, what? So I jumped out of bed and all I had was my undies on and I've walked out the front and... I've seen uh, the car smashed and I've seen the bloke walking back to the car. And so I've walked outside and I said, oh, what are you doing, mate? Like, you can't be leaving the scene. Can't be leaving the scene, mate. don't be a hero, mate. And I said, I'm not trying to be a hero, but the police are coming. And he just decided he'd scoot up the road. And I just said, nah, it's not going on like that, mate. So I jumped (laughs) in my car and I started chasing him up the road. And then he went down a side street and then the police were coming. And I flashed him and sent them off in the direction of him. But, mate, all I had was me jocks on. I was chasing him up the street and I'm just like, mate, like... Because you, cause you told me that this is your mate's shop. Yeah. And you Not did- many people have noticed this, but he's got uh, a partially smoked cigarette in his ear. I don't know if you've noticed that. Sometimes we do that here, put a cigarette in your ear. Didn't want him to get away. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, it, it, well, me mate's mum's you don't want to waste had this it. shop for like 40-odd <laughs> years. And uh, look at it. Look at it. Look it, at it. Whoa. It's a mess, isn't yeah, it? Beyond a mess. Oh, like words, words can't explain how it is, mate. Like now, Daniel, you managed to put some pants on in the meantime. Yeah, mate. It's good to hear. Do you feel like? You <laughs> yeah, know? mate. Oh, not really. It's it's just something you got to do for the community, mate. It's like you look after your mates, and your mates will always look after you. Can we get a slow clap on that? Can we get a slow clap on that? You look after your mates and your mates will always look after you. That's shit right there. That's that's Australia shit right there. It's Australia shit. You know, our our famous war heroes aren't the guys. This is true. Our famous war war heroes aren't the guys who um killed I didn't kill fitty men. Our famous war heroes are the guys who got killed going back to save their mates. That's who we hold up. Cuz you never leave your mate behind. Doesn't matter. He might have been the biggest prick on earth before the before the bullets started whizzing over your head. Um, but you know, the guys that we hold up as war heroes are the ones that went back into battle to drag people out, and they didn't even have a gun. You know what I mean? I love being an Aussie. All right, let's move on. Sudden change of direction. Man arrested for stealing 70 pairs of shoes he sniffed for sexual pleasure. (laughs) Welcome to the show. If you've just joined us, welcome to the show. Makoto Endo, 40, from Japan. Oh, that explains everything. The Japanese are fucking crazy people. Okay, I'm going to bring something up here in the background. All right. There's a game show in Japan called Takeshi's Castle. Who in the chat has heard of Takeshi's Castle? Japanese culture is 
it's it, it's intriguing to me because it's it's like people live in a parallel reality in Japan. So a lot of Japanese culture is focused on don't disgrace the family. You need to get a good job. Um, their their social standing is very strict, right? In Japan, like there are very 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 strict social norms that govern everyday interactions in Japan. And anybody who's familiar with various cultures in Asia or has spent some time in these places will know that this is inherently true. You know, there's a certain way you behave on the train. There's a certain way you behave in the bus. There's a certain way you behave when you're waiting in line and everybody does it. It's just the way it is. And it's it's almost like because there is such this, this level of control on everyday interactions, like, you know, you know, um, it's not like America or Australia where you'll see people scratching their ass and scratching their balls and having a cigarette, you know, and I mean? like out the front of a shop while they're waiting to get served. That doesn't happen there. You you, you react a certain way. You you place your order, your order a certain way. You wait in a certain way. You buy a ticket in a certain way and everybody does it. But I feel like because there's this, there's such this, uh, this blanket of social control that happens on these people in this culture that it pops out the other side and something pops out the other side. So there's a very popular uh, game show in Japan, or at least it used to be, called Takeshi's Castle. Um, have you ever seen, like, for example, have you ever seen footage from a music festival in Japan? These people go fucking batshit crazy. Like, they rock out with their cock out, you know what I mean? And I think it's because from Monday to Saturday... You have to be the strict guy with the with the suit. You have to be controlled. You have to control every aspect socially. Um, you, you you can't act out. You can't have freedom, kind of thing. But then on the weekend, you just go fucking crazy. And then Monday morning, bang, straight back to work, and you straighten the groove again. But people will say, "Well, I have to do that in America. I have to do that in Australia. What's the difference? It's it's different. <laughs> it's different um, because you can still be an asshole when you're riding the bus or the train." Not in Japan, you can't. You don't, do you know what I mean? So there's part of them that just goes absolutely fucking batshit crazy when given the opportunity. So this is a show that was very popular in Japan called Takeshi's Castle, where they do the most outrageous shit. Like, have a look, see what you think. And Craig Charles, keep taking the antibiotics, and if the infection continues, consult your doctor. This is the game show that's got legs, it's got balls, it's got rings, and if you think we're getting dirty, that's just because we are. Look at your screens, so blow your nose. Coming up, we're getting dunked in the honeycomb maze. We're getting muddy in yellow brick road. And we're slipping up on those skipping stones. I've never had a mullet. This is not a curly perm. This is Takeshi's Castle. Oh. As ever, ladies' favourite, General Lee, eggs on his 100 French eggs. Ever eager to beat, whip and scramble their way through the human blender that makes up the testing trials of Takeshi's castle. Let's hope that they're thoroughly seasoned and by no means half-baked, because these games are far from over easy. They mustn't be poked by the Emerald Guard if they want to survive. 
But if they get whisked away to the car park for the final showdown, if they take the castle, it'll be sunny side up all the way home. At least they've all got helmets Let's on. fry away to the Grey Wall. The Grey Wall. <laughs> Big wall, this. Ball of three foot six. Ball 100 contestants have to make it over the wall. There's only 88 places left in the next round, so... An unlucky dirty dozen have gone out at this very early stage. Oh, oh, that sludge and slurry, as you know, has been shipped in special from a pig farm in southern Japan. <laughs> Why are they dressed as cows? I think they're milking it. Answers on a oh, well please. done. Good pun. Not the tallest race, the Japanese. That's why this game proved so difficult for them. Need a bit of team play. He's getting a handful there. Who can blame the lad? Pigtails over the top. Let go me foot. Let go me foot. Goes through. Oh, and may she made it. They felt the tremors. Come on, get up there. Of course, all the slackers doing the pushing. I wonder what's in it for them. Certainly not a place in the next round. Oh, dearie me, I can smell that from here. You know, there's a special guy. Are those illegal immigrants? Follow Q. Good to see. It cuts out all the flies. I'm glad you love it. I think it's only me and you. Let's grab this shot for my ridiculous replay. Spine cracking, vertebrae snapping, and still managed to walk through to slip discs. You see what I did there? Slip discs. Good game, this. Get up the wall with your ring intact. You can. You go through. You can't. Well, you can't. You to keep your heads out. Fences. This is like American Ninja Warrior. The Emerald Guards have got the water cannon and the water pistols. They'll be trying to perforate your ring. Oh, she's gone. Her ring in tatters. Her ring in tatters. I've seen Takeshi's Castle where they, like, get a guy and they strap his legs to an elephant and then drag his balls, like, over glass and rocks and shit. <laughs> it's a dumb show. You'll love it. Look on YouTube. There's plenty of them. All right. Man arrested for stealing 70 pairs of shoes he sniffed for sexual pleasure. Makoto Endo, 40, from Japan, was so turned on by stinky footwear, he didn't care if the shoes belonged to men or women. He gets freaky. A middle-aged man has been arrested for stealing over 70 pairs of shoes that he sniffed for sexual pleasure, according to reports. Makoto Endo, 40, nicked the footwear in Toshogi and Satama, Eastern Japan, because he enjoyed sniffing the smell of well-worn shoes. Endo admitted he did not mind if they were men's or women's shoes. According to local media, the suspect is currently on trial for the multiple thefts after police found a large number of shoes at his home. <laughs> I'm glad that the police are focusing on things that matter. This, this sexual deviant shoe thief. Oh, there's a pair of Converse in there. Nice. Good to see. Old school Converse. Endo is believed to have stolen over 
70 pairs of shoes worth around 2,000 pounds in Toshugi and Satama between June 2017 and August 2018, according to local media. Endo told the police, I did it to get sexual pleasure by sniffing the smell of well-worn shoes, regardless of their owners being men or women. That's like a step beyond foot fetish, isn't it? Because foot fetish is one thing. Like I'm not, I'm not somebody that's personally turned on by feet. I don't, I don't really care too much about feet. I'm not into feet. And you know, I, I tend to think that the people are, that are into feet, you know, I'm like, why wouldn't you be into a vagina? Like, why wouldn't you be into breasts? I don't understand why you would go to feet. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> why not like hips? You know, why not like a, a you know, an ass? Why go to the feet? That doesn't make any sense. But a step beyond having a foot fetish is having a shoe fetish because the shoes smell like feet. It's like, man, you know, if you spent, if you spent, if you, if you stole 2,000 pounds worth of shoes, you could easily buy somebody to rub you sensually in a sexual way with their actual foot. And you can, you can tell them to be as stinky as you want. Go to like a local shitty hooker. Go to a street walker and she pulls off her, her, you know, FM boots and her feet stink, you know, something between cat piss and uh, cow pats and then get her to rub you with that foot. Like, that, wouldn't that be a step above smelling someone's f- shoes? Like, that's a, that's, a, that's a fetish that I can't even begin to understand. And I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to this stuff. Cops arrested the defendant in September last year after uh, suspecting him of being behind a large number of shoe thefts. Imagine being in prison known as the shoe thief with Lisa. It was about one year. He's holding a cockroach as he remembers a former flame. (laughs) Oh, no. Meanwhile, also in Japan, a young man revealed recently he was in a relationship with a cockroach named Linda. Linda or Lisa. So he's having sex with a cockroach. Other Japanese guys are smelling stolen shoes, men or women, and masturbating to them. Yeah, Japan's in a good place. Japan's a great place to do business. Everything's doing well in Japan. Cyber control. Police revealed 200 secret codes, phrases, and hashtags kids use online, which all parents need to know about. How many of these acronyms does your child use? Oh, I feel like we should get to that, but let's do a little video first. I want to touch base again with um, my darling, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who I, I'm fascinated by. Thank let's you, everyone, for being here in this moment, for making this presence, uh, making your presence known here, for, for making this happen. Um, you know, this is... A, this is one of the most urgent moral issues and crises that we have in America right now. Has anybody else noticed the observation here straight away? <clears throat> What's different about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? What can you see that's different here? What propelled her to stardom in the first place, right? It was being natural. Natural, not a lot of makeup, hair pulled back, dressed normally. Three weeks in D.C., ladies and gentlemen, look what it's done to her. Now she's wearing the business suit. She's got the glasses. She's got the manicured makeup look. She's got a stylist, right? 
Three weeks is all it took to ruin her. Three weeks. I'm going to let you ponder that. Born to lose And now I'm losing you Born to lose It seems so hard to bear When I wake And find that you are not You've grown tired And now you say we're through Born to lose And now I'm losing you Let's carry on with Alexandria, Born to Lose Cortez. This is not a political issue. Children dying in detention centers should not be a partisan concern. It should be a universal concern for every American in the United States. You know, earlier this week, we were here and we were hearing inside that Capitol, the State of the Union, the president said something. He said and spoke of the idea that he likes quote-unquote legal immigration. But that is a lie. The president does not like any form of immigration. He has been cutting down and imposing restrictions on legal forms, on the diversity visa lottery, on family reunification, and so on. He's ending TPS. He's ending DACA protections for DREAMers. And in doing so, he is taking away the documented status of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of Americans. In doing so, he is criminalizing a population of people in the United States. And now he is acting, asking for, full, for $5 billion to continue to militarize and weaponize a force that has zero accountability, that whose, who's, uh, rather, whose director and whose secretary... You were so close. You were so close, Alexandria. And guess what? Now you've become... See, your presentation was a thing that was going to keep you. The, your presentation was a thing that made you threatening. The fact that you didn't have the manicured looks, you didn't have the stylist, you didn't have the business suit. You cannot be a communist on behalf of the working normal people and wear a fucking business suit, Alexandria. The fact that you didn't have glasses. I wear glasses. Don't get me wrong. I have glasses myself. I rejected wearing glasses for about 10 years to the point where I couldn't even read street signs. You know, it was a whole thing. But um, if you were wearing contacts before, you should have continued wearing contacts. You should have continued going with the non-stylist, non-makeup look. See, this this speech here with all of these microphones would be far more effective if you weren't wearing a business suit. You've allowed yourself to be corrupted, Alexandria. And the thing that propelled you into the into the frontal lobe of, you know, the world's imagination, 
was that you were natural. You were one of the people. And even though you might say ridiculous things from time to time, people believed you because even though you might have been saying wrong things, they believed that you believed what you were saying. But gone are the days where those who fight for the people can dress up in expensive business suits and have stylists and wear makeup, comrade. There's no place for bourgeoisie fashion in the revolution, comrade. And the very thing that propelled you is now going to bring you undone. You were winning on presentation. Why would you change? Don't 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 fix it if it ain't broke. And you won because you were broke. And now you're already trying to dress dress like a rich girl in DC, aren't you? Aren't you? And I bet, you know, somebody from Nancy Pelosi's office said, you know, hey, why don't we just do something? Why don't we just get you in a nice jacket? Why don't we get you with a nice pair of glasses? And you swallowed it, didn't you? You know, three days after you got elected, you were storming Nancy Pelosi's office in your hoodie and your pants, you know, your sweatpants. Down with Nancy Pelosi. And here we are just a few weeks later. And you're letting her stylist control you, tell you what you need to wear tell you what you need to look like you're finished you're finished now at this point you realize that right it's over it's over <laughs> another good song stop making all of those promises if you don't love into my you never We had fun, Sandy. It was a short-lived affair, but I'm sorry. You had to go and dress full upper class, full business suit. Who wears a fucking business suit if you're an actual socialist? What the fuck is wrong with you, Sandy? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a good socialist. You know what? I'm going to dress like a businessman, you fucking idiot. All of these people believed in you and you've just taken a big shit down their throat. They believed in you. I mean, you could have been the hero for the working class. You could have been. You were the hero for the working class. You were making macaroni and cheese on Instagram in your hoodie and your sweatpants. That's how you got elected a month into DC. And look at you. You fucking look like a Latino version of Nancy Pelosi circa 1950. You've become the thing that you hate, Alexandria. So long, Alexandria. Nice knowing you. You fucking sell out. Sucking on the capitalist teat. Into my ears, but you never. 
I don't I don't care if the right wing hates you. I'm going to make the communists hate you, darling. And promises, promises, promises. That's all I get from you. I can't believe your promises. They never do come true. Don't make me promises, promises, promises. Although they nice Seriously, if you're a good comrade, could you can you can you seriously support somebody? Who's wearing expensive business suits on the on the steps of DC talking about fucking politics? Fuck you, fuck you. Oh, what? How much did your stylist cost today, Alexandria? I thought you were a comrade. I thought you were one of us. I thought you were one of the working class. I thought you cared about what we cared about, comrade. A month into DC, you're already looking like them. You're talking like them. You're dressing like them. You've been you've been bamboozled. You've been brainwashed. You've been bought, haven't you? Haven't you, Alexandria? You've become one of the things that you hate. Now everything that you say is lies. Everything you say is lies. Sorry, sorry. We had such high hopes for you. We thought you would be the next coming of Stalin. Unfortunately, it was not to be. Has no idea when she goes in front of a, of a hearing how many children are dying in her own care under her own watch and they have the audacity to ask for more money to fund that I don't think so I don't think so not only will we not agree to fund that exactly Jesus even Jesus thought you would be the one true communist unfortunately and systematically violates human rights does not deserve a die they do not deserve a die until they can prove that they are honoring human rights until they can make a good faith effort to expand and embrace immigrants, the immigrants in this nation that have always been a part and have always been and always been a core element of American democracy. Until they can prove good faith to an American ideal, they do not deserve any resources for their radical agenda. We have to have respect. Kinko elephants, ladies and gentlemen. They're on parade. They're not real. They're not real communists. They're fake communists. This is fake socialism right here. It is a right. Fake socialism sucking on the nipple of capitalism. And Latino people are descendants of native people. And we cannot be told and criminalized simply for our identity or our status. Period. I will not commit one dollar. Not one dollar. Have you ever been more disgusted by a fake communist? Fake communists annoy me more than fake conservatives. I'm being 100% straight up and down with you right now. I hate fake communists because I'm somebody who has known real communists. You know, I was talking to a couple of friends the other day. Um, you know the people that get out there and rave, uh, wave rainbow flags and march and they say that they're communists and stuff? I have known actual real-life communist agitators face-to-face, they will tell you that when the communists take over, they will shoot the homosexuals. I am not joking. 
This is why I am not a communist, by the way. And fake communists can call me a homophobe, but that's because they are mentally deficient individuals, you see. You see you, do you see the do you see the dance that happens here? <laughs> do you see the beauty of it? You have idiots that don't understand what communism is claiming to be communists and then claiming to be that you're against them. And the actual real life communists sit back and laugh. And the Russian word, <clears throat> pardon me, the Russian word for, um, you know, the idiots that march in America and for communism is shithead. Like that's the English translation. That's what they don't, they don't call you comrade. You're not a comrade. <laughs> Do you understand that, right? You know, like real life communists don't call you comrade. They call you shithead. They call you shit for brains. They call you an idiot. Like you're marching on behalf of your own destruction. You realize that, right? Of course you don't realize that because you're a fucking moron. It's, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs. And you, you, you can come at this a couple of ways. So, you know, um, like I've mixed in some, <clears throat> pardon me, I've mixed in some pretty hardcore um, political circles in my time, even though I'm like, I'm just a lowly peasant who works like a, a shitty menial job and does live streams once a week. You know what I mean? But you, you don't have to believe it. That's fine. I, I, I don't care if you believe it or not. Does it? Your belief doesn't change the reality of what transpired, right? So take it or leave it. But um, real-life actual communists will tell you to your face that when they take control, they will shoot all of the homosexuals they will imprison all of the people that disagree with them and they will they mean it they're not they're not joking it's not a joke you know and uh, and i'm not sitting here saying i don't think that um the communist revolution that these guys believe in is going to take place anytime soon far from it actually i think they're delusional but if you're delusional in in my scheme of thinking here I think you're delusional if you think that your country is going to become a communist state like America or Australia. I think I think you're seriously delusional if you think it's going to become like a like a junta. Because to me you're living like in the 1940s here. Yeah, you, 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 you there's no way like most people there's no it's it just can't work anymore. You're not going to have an actual communist utopia. It's not going to happen. But even a degree beyond that stupidity is marching around as like an LGBTQ activist or a you know a gay activist or whatever whatever it is, uh, immigrant activist. It doesn't matter whatever um, buzz um, fad you know thing that you want to get involved in at the time, and you think it's really you think it's really important. I'm here to tell you. If you call yourself a communist, if you call yourself a socialist, the real communists and the real socialists look at you as trash beneath their feet. I'm not joking. Like, I'm trying to help you here. These people hate you. <laughs> you call yourself a communist. The, 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 the actual communists who, who have the will and the, they want to shoot you in the face I don't want to shoot you in the face. I want to love you. I don't care. I'm 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 the most tolerant person on this shitty app, Periscope. I don't block anybody. I've had Nazis and communists in here arguing with each other by proxy constantly. I don't care. I'm a very tolerant person. <laughs>
I'm more of an information guy, which is why the communists never disown me. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But do you see what I'm saying here? Like, you're not going to be celebrated. You're not going to be heralded as like second coming. You know, you, there there is no utopia. The, the utopia you believe in ends in your own oppression. Like, real communists laugh at you. you. You have to understand. Alexandria, I love you, babe. I love you. I think you're smashing. Like, I know that you don't really know a lot about how government works. I know that you don't really understand the economy because you've only been taught, you know, you've been taught... Uh, economics in the ideal sense and not the real sense. And there's a difference between the two. But I'm not even holding that against you. I think you're incredibly effective. I think you're wonderful. I find you fascinating. I think think you're a lovely girl. But you have to understand that the real life actual communists, this is what we're doing. This is what I'm doing here right now is directing their attention toward you. You, the the real life actual communists do not like you. <laughs> you are a tool of the establishment at this point. You are Nancy Pelosi's clit holster. Unfortunately for you, you've become that in the space of a month. Normally, it takes like ten years. Um, they say every person has their price. It took you a month of paychecks. <laughs> Again, I've known real-life actual communists whom after, um, you know, somebody has offered them a job and they've given them the finger to – I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen. Actual real-life communists has has been offered a job, like a really well-paying job in the government. They'll give them the finger and say, no, I'm going to fucking take your job one day and then go off and march down the street. I've seen it happen. We're going to bring the system down. I don't want a fucking job in Washington, D.C. My job is to bring you down. Right? The very people that elected you. (laughs) You cannot be a socialist hero and at the same time be a tool of D.C. It doesn't exist. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You depend on the the reliable support in large part of the hardcore socialists and communists who are far smarter than you. And again, I love you, babe. Don't get me wrong. I think you're gorgeous. I think you're wonderful. I think you are a blessing on this earth. I would never abort you because I'm not into that. But the, the hardcore communists and socialists who elected you and have used you up until this point, you are now betraying them. <laughs> Do you see? Do you see what I'm saying here? You have become their enemy, and you and you don't even realize it yet. This is the problem. This is the problem because you're not a real communist unless you mean it. And once you're up there in the nice suits with the makeup and making the speeches in DC, and you're you're doing all the PR stuff, all of a sudden the real communists start going, "Hey, this chick fucked us. She fucked us." to an agency who died when they were trusted to take care of Jacqueline Fowler. I will not give one dollar 
to a secretary who does not care about her life and does not care to investigate a child's death. And I will not give one dollar to black box detention facilities that think that people and some people in this country are deserving of constitutional protection and that others are not. We are a nation in a land of laws, not just people. Some people are subject to laws and others are not. We are a land of laws. And when we are a land of laws, what that means is that every person that steps foot on this soil deserves the consideration of due process. They deserve the protection. They deserve to have access to our Bill of Rights. And that is what makes this nation special. That is what makes America special. Not who is here, but what we are. Period. Thank you. And I... Germs, but technical or pachyderms is really too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more piss break. We'll come back straight into your tweets. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. We'll be back in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast. Every Refill Monday, your Friday wine and Pringles cups right now. Right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, Make America Great Again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 1130, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha, James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes, alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TADshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TADshow.com Friend and foe alike, join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, StreamMe, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, StreamMe, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, those kinds of comments, 
whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's, it's, there's fear of capitalism because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down. Squashing you. Trampling on your dreams. You need to get rid of them. That's selling fear. There's fear of freedom. I mean, why do, why do you think, why do you think safe spaces exist? The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings, trigger warnings, just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24 hour, seven day a week, 365 day a year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them. We're on the home stretch now. I'm sure most people are asleep. <laughs> Coming in hot. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Thank you, Karma. Dumb or not, they shall not forget. Salvatore. Here's a nice song for you. This is really what it's all about. If you want to just hear a random tune. Are you in the mood for a random tune? I'm going to play it anyway. I hope you enjoy.
always on the go. You never take a minute off. Too busy making dough. You'll see the world when you retire. You'll really get around. But how far can you travel when you're six feet underground? Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself. Are you an angry person? Still in the pink. Are you filled with anger? As quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Are you consumed with the politics of rage? But when you kiss a dollar bill, it doesn't kiss you back. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself. While you're still in the pink. Years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Don't encourage the audience to get drunk at the beginning. <laughs> that was the whole point of this show. What are you talking about? There's my wine in a Pringles can. Your heart of hearts, your dream of dreams, your ravishing brunette. She's left you and she's now become somebody else's pet. Put down that gun, don't try, my friend, to reach the great beyond. You'll have more fun if you reach there, a redhead or a blonde. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself. Birthdays come and gone, you've turned another page And then before you know it, there you are at middle age To think of all the fun you missed, it makes you kind of sad It's, it's better, better to, to have, have had your wish, wish than to have, have wished you had. had Enjoy yourself, it's later than you think Enjoy yourself, while you're still in the pink The years go by, as quickly as a wink Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself, it's later than you think It's better to have had your wish than to have wished you had. Isn't that a great line? All right, let's do this. Hunters claim bizarre large figure in foothills of foothills of Utah is Bigfoot. Not again! I thought we settled this Bigfoot shit. I, okay, I'm sure this is actual real life evidence of Bigfoot. And they were hunters, right? So they had hunting scopes. They had hunting rifles. Why not just shoot the prick? Do you, do, do you know the best possible way to prove that Bigfoot exists is by shooting it and dragging it back into town behind your utility? Do you know what I'm saying here? Like, don't don't give me grainy camera footage of Bigfoot. Give me a fucking corpse. Then we'll know. Then we'll know. And don't be worried about, you know, oh, you can't shoot Bigfoot. That's not fair. You know, it needs to be protected. There's not many Bigfoots around. Apparently, there's only one, the same one that's been around for 50 years. Don't worry about that shit. The, the liberals will get over it. They'll get over it. If you shoot a Bigfoot and mount a Bigfoot head on your wall, you will become like you 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 have you have shot the world's most elusive prey at that point. The only thing I can think would be more monumental than that would be 
like putting a line in the in the water at Loch Ness and dragging up a monster. You know what I mean? <laughs> that would be the only thing. If you just drop a like a you put a shrimp on a hook and drop it in a line at Loch Ness, and next thing you know, there's a two hundred foot long fucking serpent creature on the end of your line. If you drag that thing in, you know how how fishermen get pictures next to the sharks that they've pulled in. You know. If you've got Lockie's, if you've got Nessie's head and you're standing next to it, patting it, like I'm the fish in the, maybe, maybe that guy will be the world's greatest hunter. But second tier to that, the silver medal absolutely goes to the guy who shoots Bigfoot. Here's an idea for all the people that think Bigfoot is real. How about this? How about you all pool your money in together and you'll probably make like, you know, half a million dollars or something and then use that as a reward to the first person who shoots a Bigfoot. I guarantee you, you will have thousands of paramilitary militiamen from the deepest, darkest corners of like, you know, like the Midwest and shit will come out of nowhere. They'll come out of nowhere in their camos and they will be, they will have like fucking infrared scopes and shit looking for Bigfoot. If you offer half a million dollars to the person that brings back the corpse of Bigfoot, there will be there will be militiamen from all over the country who are just looking for an opportunity to make money until doomsday happens. Do it now. If, if you really care, if you really care about proving the existence of Big, uh, Bigfoot, you would want to see Bigfoot on a slab in a mortu- uh, mortuary being dissected. You know, you, you, if you love it so much, you have to kill it. That's how I know it's all bullshit. If they if they really wanted to hunt down Bigfoot, they would have shot it by now. Because Americans love shooting shit in the woods. Well, I can't get in my car until you... Oh, I gotta leave first, but no, one... I can climb over. I'm gonna get... I, you can... No, you'll be fine. I'm just gonna get more footage of the Sasquatch. Oh, it's a Sasquatch. It's just up there. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's had three chairs. Look how big it is. Look how big it is. It's just chilling. I don't think it is a human. I think it's a Sasquatch. Oh, it's a Sasquatch. Yeah. Look, he's on the mountain, way far back on the mountain. Shoot it then. Shoot it. Look how huge he is. Shoot it. Okay, so now we drove way down the hill. And look how big that person still is all the way up on that mountain. Follow Q, talk to a, a Sasquatch guy, a Bigfoot guy. Right there. See, shoot right it. There. If you he's shoot the Bigfoot, then the conversation's over. This is horrifying. I mean, we are really far away right now. You can see the top of that mountain. It's. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know it was so fucking easy to get your video on a like a major tabloid website. I didn't know. Like, I must be the fuckwit here. I must be the idiot. I didn't know. All I have to do is have like a shadow in in distance somewhere, claim that it's Bigfoot, and then all of a sudden, all of these fucking idiots on the internet are gonna be like, "Oh my god." It's another one. We got another one. We found another one. Woo! Bigfoot is real. Bigfoot is real. I demand. I I challenge anybody to to disseminate this footage. Challenge this footage. No, 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 no. If you want to prove Bigfoot is real, shoot it and bring it to me. I, I, I want to see a dead Bigfoot on a slab. 
Then I'll know. Then I'll know. <laughs> Everything else is rubbish. <laughs> you know what? Um, a year from now, I'm going to plan it. I'm going to head out to the woods, you know, in Canada somewhere, and I'm going to plan it with my buddy, and we're going to shoot one of these videos. And if at any time in this video you see a guy drinking, I'm, I'm, I've just committed myself to it now. I'm doing this. In the next 12 months, you will find a video circulating on the internet of Bigfoot sighted. If at any time you see a person drinking from a Pringles can, I'm not even going to say anything. I'm not. I'm going to put it out as a fake name. It will be like some random dude. Um, you know, just a random. Uh, oh, we we hunt every weekend. We go out hunting every weekend, and we were startled by the most amazing sighting. I've never seen anything before. I didn't know whether to pull the trigger or just film it because it was so beautiful. And I thought, wow, all all of my years of denying the existence of Bigfoot have now come back and slapped me in the face. And now I know it's real. Look at this video. And if at any time in that video that gets played on, on these shitty websites that call themselves Real News, um, if you see somebody drinking out of a Pringles can, that's the call sign. You'll know it was me. All right? So I need you to be aware. I need you to be paying attention. Look for all the Bigfoot sightings because <laughs> I'm going to be one of them. And you won't even... People who weren't listening to this um, broadcast won't know. Ten years from now, people will go back and say, oh, my God, that guy set it up. It was all bullshit. He said the Pringles can and then he was like with the camera holding the Pringles can. It was all a fake. By then it'll be too late. Nobody will care. And we will have one. Sorry, this is a good song too. I know it's getting late. We're going to get to your Twitter stuff. Just enjoy a little bit of Ray Charles, if you don't mind. You'll enjoy this, trust me. This is beautiful music. This ain't no Cardi B. Sit back and relax and enjoy. How good is it? Okay. Let's do Twitter. Let's rock and roll. Let me refresh this motherfucker. <laughs> While we're refreshing. Do you remember this from, um, uh, was it Jungle Book? Yeah. 
Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Now I'm the king of the swingers ball, jungle VIP. Well, I reach the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a man like mankind. The other man, tired of monkeying around. So, I wanna be just like you. I wanna walk like you, talk like you do. But you see, it's true. And if like me, you learn to be human too. I'm sure that's racist now. An ape like me can learn to be human too. How dare? How dare you? You fucking bigot. Disgusting. All right. Uh, this one comes from Nano. Reptilians killing a lost Russian soldier. Oh, this will this will be fun. <laughs> We've just watched Bigfoot. Our- <laughs> okay. Look at him running up on him. I can't see them. They're surrounding him. Oh my god. Do you want to say it again? Do you want to say it again? All right, let's do it again. This is why I love this show. sensational <laughs> I don't for a second think that it's real but it's sensational <laughs> excellent I'm gonna fucking use that I'm gonna share that retweet that shit retweet <laughs> balaclava knit by uh, top by Gucci happy black history month y'all yes it is black history month isn't it oh oh my god oh my god Oh my god! Wow, that is that is super offensive, isn't it? I mean, look at the big red lips here. Is it? Are they trying to be ironically offensive? Because you know, they're trying to say, "Well, you need to be offended by this, so we're going to make you offended by doing something offensive," kind of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, yes, blackface, but make it fashion, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I almost want to play Mammy. I'm very glad to, to be joined here by, by, by a wave of women. Oh, no, that's just a pretend communist. Never mind me. Oh, by the way, on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, James um, told me I have to watch this. So I haven't seen it yet. Let's have a look. Is she going to say something or...? Yes, thank you for the hearts. Oh, you're welcome. 
She's just a kid. Um, I tell you what's. I tell you what's good. Um, straight away, you know what I like about her. I like that she's very soft spoken. Because right now everyone's geared towards like the yelling. Oh my god, you can't believe the fucking Democrats. They're the most outrageous thing. Oh my god, the Republicans. Yeah, these fucking Christian Bible basher motherfuckers. Oh. If if you can do um, soft spoken, calm, and engage people on that level, I think you're going to have um, you'll you'll attract an audience that is best suited to engaging in um, intellectual pursuits, which are unbecoming of those who would prefer pure outrage porn. If you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. And don't get me wrong, um, I'm a massive fan of Alex Jones. Love him. Love him to death. He's the godfather of everything that we do here. And people who say otherwise are either naive, lying, or clueless. That's really the only three options. Uh, If you don't understand that Alex Jones is the godfather of everything that we're doing here in like new media or alternative media or whatever you want to talk about, um, then then you're either lying to people, you're clueless, or you're a fuckwit. I'm sorry. (laughs) He started this revolution. He is the godfather of this revolution. So uh, I tip my hat to Alex Jones. Bigly, bigly, hugely. Uh, The guy is an absolute genius and he can meme people into oblivion like nobody else can. I'm almost tempted to play a bit of Alex Jones just like because he did a rant the other day and I was like, oh my God, I got hard watching <laughs> watching this Alex Jones rant. It was about um, the actress, uh, about the guy in Chicago. And like, oh, you know, and he was just memeing her into oblivion. And I was like, oh, see, this is, this is vintage Jones. This is pure distilled Alex and nobody does it better and nobody did it before him and you know he's got his own style he's got his own presentation there's bombast there's hyperbole but once you understand that he really cares he means it he cries when he talks about certain things and you can't fake that I haven't cried on air yet (laughs) I don't plan to (laughs) you know what I mean so he means it um but I despite that um except he's the exception to the rule the rule is I really like the, the soft-spoken people that just, well, just casual approach. Because I think that's the most effective way to get a lot of people uh, listening to your message is by not smashing them in the face, but instead um, coaxing them. You know, I, I was having a conversation with a friend earlier today. You know him. I'm not going to name him. Uh, you know him on social media and you know him on Periscope and and live streaming and stuff. And, you know, I said to him, well, I think it's fair to say that we have a a pretty different approach when it comes to this stuff. He's the guy who smashes you in the face with a baton. And I'm the guy who coaxes the bunny out of the burrow. You know, we, but we agree on a lot of things, but we just have a very, very different method in how we go about things. So so I, I tend towards... I tend to um, appreciate more the people who are like, you know, gentle and soft, softly spoken because I think that's an effective way of getting through to people more so than coming out and saying, you're all cunts, I fucking hate you, fuck you, fucking fuck this person, this guy's a piece of shit, you know, like <laughs> that's effective in other ways in my opinion but um, in the broader scheme of things, not so much, so to speak.
So let's have a look at Magdalene Rose, who I appreciate. She's she's a kid. She's got a very softly spoken approach. I like it. Okay, that looks like enough. So over the last couple of days, I've been like really thinking about who the brains behind Ocasio-Cortez is because it's not her. We all know that. And then recently there was an article published, I believe in Politico, about her chief of staff, Sekar Chakabarti, and I might be saying that wrong, but he is a very interesting person because he's not well known in conservative politics at all. But in liberal politics, he's considered one of the foremost rising stars. But it's almost as if there's a complete block between him and conservative politics. There are no articles written about him. There's no talk about I him. I agree, like Jennifer so Briggs. A rundown 100%. of his background, and it's important because <clears throat> no, we're not roasting. Because it is about Jennifer Briggs, the cherry popper, brings up a good point. <laughs> Since like says, must have been Dilly. No, there's there's a lot of people who yell. Like it's not a problem. <laughs> It wasn't Dilly I was having the conversation with. It was someone who knows Dilly, but it wasn't Dilly. Dilly's Dilly's a great guy. Um, like I don't, I don't, I don't get to watch Dilly's show because you know our times clash and stuff. So <clears throat> I don't get to see what he does. I know he upsets a lot of people, and you know I kind of like that. Like I don't care, and you know people like go to war and say, oh, you know, blah. but <clears throat> all I can say is um, about Dilly, like. The couple of times, and it's only been twice, uh, we've been on a panel show together, uh, the Daniel Barron show, which I enjoyed immensely. Um, we've been on a panel show a couple of times on Daniel Barron's channel. And, you know, the couple of times, like, all I can say to people is, well, whether you like him or hate him, that's up to you. But I can tell you, um, I found him to be like the same, like, on camera and off camera. He was very personable and funny. Like before the show started, like we were just telling jokes and, you know, talking like normal people at a bar kind of thing. And, you know, I, that's, that's, that's as far as I go into it. Um, a lot of people really dislike him, but that's fine. Like a lot of people really dislike me. I don't care. <laughs> you know, that's their problem. I don't mind. Um, but, you know, Dilly can be a, a very divisive person. Uh, I think he enjoys it too. I think he likes I think he likes people, you know, um, going after him because that's that's just my opinion. He strikes me as the kind of guy who, um, you know, like is a bit bombastic and stuff. And then when somebody goes after him, he enjoys, you know, the he enjoys the hunt. He enjoys making jokes and shit. So I don't think it bothers him. And he certainly doesn't need somebody like me to come to rushing to his defense. And that's why I'm not going to do it because, you know. He's his, he's his own man and he can make his own fucking decisions and he can say what he wants. I don't really care. But all I can say to people is like the couple of times that I've actually spoken to him one-on-one, -on -one, he's just been a nice guy. So that's all I know. Everything else, that's up to you. ...background that is very tech-based and very good for trying to get candidates elected. So he went to Harvard in 2003, 2007 for computer science. Oh, follow you. <laughs> he was a software development intern at... Real News Network for about a year. And then he was an Apple software development intern. And then he was a Bridgewater Technology Associate. And then this is where it gets interesting. He's the co-founder of Mockingbird, which is a web design service, which now caters exclusively to Democrats looking for cool designs. This is her chief of staff. 
looking for cool designs for their um, campaign ads and things. He's the one behind her infamous announcement address that got millions of views. So after this, he becomes one of the founding engineers of Stripe. Stripe, which is oh, something I know Stripe. That Stripe is a payment processor like pay- Stripe is a payment processor like PayPal. Conservatives off recently. That's kind of interesting. So he's pretty much just like a run-of-the-mill computer guy, a little bit talented, until he hits 2016, when he's the director of organizing technology for Senator Bernie Sanders. Now, the question that is there is who brought him in? Nobody really knows that. But once he comes in, they start winning primaries. And Bernie's impressions on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook go way up. So whoever got this guy obviously did a good job because he's able to create a cohesive... Jennifer Briggs says, Dilly uses cussing as a litmus test for followers, sends people who disagree uh, disagree away with glee. I, I kind of do a similar thing, but I don't block anyone. So, uh, you know, we... Dilly and I fundamentally disagree. We've had this disagreement like live on a Periscope once, like I think it was like nearly a fucking year ago now, where I was explaining, you know, the virtues of no block policy. You know, and I understand his viewpoint, where it's like, well, you need to block people in order to control the narrative and stuff. But um, you know, this there's there's a fundamental difference between the activist approach and the commentator approach. And, you know, you don't have to hate one approach or hate another approach. Um, some some people are there to, like, motivate and engage and empower and enrage. And other people are there to observe. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Like, I personally think blocking is like a pussy move. But then again, um, I don't have the amount of trolls that bigger accounts have. So... Would my perception change at that point? I'm not sure. I don't think it would, <laughs> to be honest. I think I would relish the opportunity to be trolled. I would love it, but who's to say? Who's to say? Technological advance to get Bernie some primary wins. So after Bernie loses, there are some articles that says he feels like very like withdrawn and he doesn't really know what to do. So he founds he found, um, Brand New Congress. I don't know if anyone's familiar with Brand New Congress. It's an effort to sort of have one national campaign message for what we would consider alt-left candidates. So this Brand New Congress organization isn't very successful whatsoever, but the one thing they're able to do is they're able to build a docket of young people who want to run for things in districts that it's possible for them to win. So it's really the precursor for Justice Democrats, which is really what's responsible for Ocasio-Cortez's win. So Justice Democrats comes about in a very interesting... Look, I think she's good. Um, the problem is she's a kid, so she's trying... The, the point would be trying to get like other young, and I, you know, you know what, even saying kid is kind of disrespectful. She's a young woman. She's a young woman. And the point of uh, what she's doing would be to get other young people, younger than me, say, to um, get engaged in politics and understand what's happening, understand the stories behind the stories kind of thing. I get that. Um, what I would say is like, don't be so nerdy about it. And that's, that's, see, the nerdiness appeals to guys like me. I like the nerdiness. I like that she's just putting the facts out there. Don't get me wrong. But um, the people your age, Magdalene, do not necessarily resonate. See, like, you've got 122,000 viewers, which is amazing. 
but I would I would suggest like 80 to 85% of those people would be over the age of 40. And they're the already converted. They already believe you. They already understand. You know your age group better than anyone, any of us do. I'm not over 40, but you understand it better than I do. So perhaps a different approach is needed to break through to that critical demographic that lies beneath the surface. The, the, the people that you're trying to convince are probably not the people watching this. You know, um, older people will hold you up as like a signal for, you know, future expansion in the youth market. But I think a change of approach is probably needed to actually resonate. Even though you know, like you probably understand the problems with people your age better than anyone else does. I think you're a highly intelligent girl. But and I love your approach, but you you might need to, you know like for example bringing cutaways a cutaway like every 20 or 30 seconds like a picture or a headline or something like that bang because people lose their attention really really quickly unfortunately so you know get rolling on obs um and just introduce a headline when you mention somebody you know acacio cortez is such and such then bring up the headline bang for like three seconds and then cut back to you little things like that will keep people interested Keep younger people interested because they have frightening, frighteningly short attention spans. <laughs> but overall, um, brilliant. Fashion because people think it came from um, the Young Turks guy, but that's not actually true. It came from the upper leadership of Bernie Sanders' campaign, of which this guy was one of these people. No. And it was formulated to take the people that had been recruited from brand new Congress and give them an actual shot at running for office and winning. So Justice Democrats is, I'm just going to give you the synopsis of it, is a progressive political action committee founded on January 23rd, 2017 by the Young Turks guy and several of his associates and what's not disclosed, the actual people who are involved in Bernie Sanders' technology in the campaign and his social media. So from that, they spent about seven months going through all of these people who had been involved in brand new Congress or had been on the list, but weren't really sure what they wanted to do. And this is where Ocasio-Cortez comes in, because people know that she ran and she unseated this primary guy. And I will admit that's impressive, the fact that she was able to find such a vulnerable seat. What they don't know is the reason why she was recruited into this is very similar to how <laughs> contestants on The Bachelor since Oak wants me to do his eulogy he was a good man he was a big man he was a biker he had sex with a lot of women and that's what killed him <laughs> the STDs he went he went out the way he wanted to here's an animated cartoon to celebrate the life of Sin Soaked and it's just going to be like uh, white guys banging Asian chicks. <laughs> On The Bachelor, people can be nominated by their family. Oh, thank you, CJ. By their family, by their friends to, you know, go date The Bachelor, Bachelorette. She was nominated by her brother to become a candidate for Justice Democrats. So this spiel she gives about how she saw a problem and tackled it is a lie. In college, she was a fan of William F. Buckley. I don't have a problem with that. I think William F. Buckley is quite a brilliant debater. But I would think the alt-left would have a problem with it, which is why her campaign manager buried those stories. And there's now proof he buried those stories. So after he gets involved in her campaign, 
and starts pushing her and pushing her. I'm not an investigative journalist, but I was very bothered by what I was seeing. Hi. After he gets involved with her campaign, he actually has to have conversations with her and convince her that she has to leave bartending to do Kate this. Is like, so anyway, she any uh, time she says she is you know, <laughs> Thank you for going forward calling. and doing this because she had to is a lie. She's doing this because Love her you, campaign manager wanted her to. Now, I'm not saying this woman is not... A good, good at social media, and she's very personal. I love a spicy chat. But she's not what people think she is. She's not a social media genius. And the argument from conservatives is always a certain conservatives. The reason why she's such a threat is because she is so great at social media. But is nope. she? No, 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 no. That's not the argument. That's not the argument. The argument is she's a threat because she has great social media appeal. Like she's good at social media to a degree, and but you can't say that it's all somebody else. And this is what we were talking about in the last segment, right? Her appeal was she was natural. She was wearing sweatpants. She had her hair tied back. She wasn't wearing makeup. That's the appeal. That's the appeal. If you get that on social media, with if you can tie that with somebody on social media who knows how to get hashtags trending and stuff like that, then fine, then fine. But it's not just. It's not just. Um, you know, the science of it. There's also, it, it's natural likability. It's genuine appeal that's going to work. When you couple that with social media, then all of a sudden you're a threat. Because her chief of staff is actually who's been running her social media, is actually who formulated all of the policies that she's been promoting, like the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is something that her chief of staff spoke about in the Bernie Sanders world in 2016. But nobody wanted to talk about that because it Not was as good as from B, messaging no. that she's bringing about this new socialist revolution. Y'all motherfuckers, everyone, want your health care. Obama shut down the government so your grandmother pussy could get checked by a fucking gynecologist. She brought nothing. She was recruited like they recruit girls on The Bachelor. Nothing against The Bachelor. I watched yes, The Bachelor. Yes, yes. Key Wizard gets it. AOC blew the gig the minute she got to DC. Now she's dressing up like a capitalist. Oh, my God. It's fucking disgusting. It's horrible. It's horrible. We'll, we'll play this out. I think this chick's good. I like her. Now, here's where it gets even a little more interesting. There is someone called Corbin Trent, who was one of the co-founders, along with the Young Turks guys and people of Justice Democrats. He was the communications director. She's obviously highly intelligent and highly confident. I like, I like the way she goes about it. I love the way that she's soft-spoken. She's not argumentative. She's not being combative. She's not an activist. She's uh, presenting this in like a, uh, would you say, an investigative journalist kind of approach. Like I just, I just pray to God that she doesn't end up like uh, Laura Luma strapping herself to the front door of Google screaming like a libtard. For Justice Democrats. And what happened was once she won her primary and it was a lock that she was going to become a congresswoman, he quit Justice Democrats and became her spokesperson. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is backed up and has the brains behind her of Justice Democrats, the people of the Young Turks, and Corbin Trent, and I always have a problem saying this guy's name, Sakat Chakabarti, which is her chief of staff. So if we're going to say that she's brilliant conservatives, let's really take a step back and see if she is. Because she's not. She's just a mouthpiece. Thank you. Beautiful. Well done. Well done. I love it. It wasn't bombast. 
It wasn't hyperbolic. It was straight to the point. It was just all facts. The world is crying out for that shit. Someone in the chat said, if she's smart, she would. No, look, because um, a lot of us spent, we invested a lot of time in presenting um, the hard left as screaming, maniacal people who block doorways. And when someone on our team allegedly becomes a screaming person who's maniacal who blocks a doorway, then all of a sudden it's a problem <laughs> in the meme in the meme wars. Uh, for example, let me show you something. said I, our team in inverted commas I know you can't see it's dark in here <laughs> understood point taken but um, I mean like I said at the start of the show if if you want to rail and laugh at snowflakes by all means please do so but don't become one I can't defend snowflake behavior because if the whole point is is making people, um, is memeing people who act in snowflake ways, then when you act in a snowflake way, you're actually doing damage and not helping. So shit happens. <laughs> I don't care, <laughs> you know. Um, and, you know, strapping yourself to a doorway and screaming at cameras is snowflake behavior. Sorry. You know. Um, it's easy for uh, people say it's easy for you to say you're just jealous and, and all of those things start coming up. But that's I've just got to be honest. And like I said, sometimes people will disagree with what I say, and that's fine because I love disagreement and I love free, uh, freedom. So I'm not going to act in a snowflake way. Gucci deeply apologizes for the offense caused by the wool balaclava jumper. <laughs> See if you're gonna if you're gonna put the balaclava jumper out. Don't fucking apologize for it afterwards. You know what I mean? Just put it out. If you're going to put this out, don't apologize later. Like, you were obviously trying to make a statement. You were obviously trying to do something. You were obviously trying to make an impact. Don't do it and then apologize. You knew you knew what you were doing when you did this. You've, you've got to stand by it. You've got to stand by. You, you can't. You can't put this out with the with the half black face with the big red lips, and then afterwards say, "Well, I didn't know that people would get upset. I'm so sorry about it. bullshit." Of course, this is all a, a publicity stunt. You know what I mean? <laughs> you need to own it. <laughs> own the balaclava knit top by Gucci. Gucci. Now Gucci is getting involved in the racism policy. Oh my god! 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 I'm somebody who always wore, like, I wear shirts that have no no name brands on them. I, I, I don't like Nike. I don't like Adidas. I don't like Gucci. 
I don't like any of these fucking brands. I just want a plain shirt with nothing on. Is that so fucking hard now? But all of a sudden, like, do you see? Do you see what's happening here? It's like the grunge shit. Like back in the nineties, like all of these companies were like, we're going to capitalize on the grunge movement. And so these, like, I, I, it was probably Gucci was probably putting out like flannelette shirts in the nineteen nineties. Do you know what I mean? Grunge wear. And so all of these people, all these people go out and buy the latest fashion. I don't even know what the fuck this is. <laughs> I don't even know what they're trying to sell here. Like I can't even rob a bank in this. I can't even rob a bank because everyone's no, everyone's going to know that I'm white. Look at the top half of my head. What am I supposed to do with the top half of my head for fuck's sake? Right? This is horrifying. Like how can I wear this out in public? I'm not I'm not robbing a bank and I just look racist. <laughs> That's it. That's all I've got. Adidas. <laughs> Fuck the name brands. Like for some reason the name brands this is another thing about uh like the modern day like left culture, the cultural left is like um I I remember when I was young like it was cool to not wear name brands, but now all of a sudden, all of the lefties are like, yeah, I love Starbucks. I love Nike. I love Reeboks. They love Cal- uh, Colin Kaepernick. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Fuck the name brands, man. Big middle finger. And they're like, no, 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 nah, man. This is a this is a company with a social conscience. And I'm like, you realize you're just repeating their press press release at this point. You know, you, you, <laughs> do you realize the fucking bullshit that you're regurgitating now? And they're like, fuck you, racist. I'm like, oh, God, I need new friends. Pringles, sad device. Oh, Pringles, Pringles. The honorary guest of tonight. Sad device. Super Bowl 2019 TV commercial. Let's have a look. Brunch was comfy. I'm stacking cheddar, jalapeno, and sour cream and onion. The spicy nacho stack. How many Pringles flavor stack combinations are there? 318,000. Sadly, I'll never know the joy of tasting any, for I have no hands to stack with, no mouth to taste with, no soul to feel with. I am at the mercy of a cruel and uncaring... Cool, play Funky Town. There's a Pringle stack for everyone. Sort of. Really? That's the Super Bowl ad? That's it? That's the best they could do? God, I like I like this Super Bowl ad much better for Pringles. You've seen it before. <laughs> well, let's take this party to Walmart. I'll get on the riding cart. Gonna have a good old time. Bring the beer, I'll bring the wine. Goodness better than wine from a Pringles can. Serious question. Let's play them back to back. Let's play them back to back. You tell me which one would sell more cans of Pringles. Honestly. Honestly. I'm stacking cheddar, jalapeno, and sour cream and onion. The spicy nacho stack. How many Pringles flavor stack combinations are there? 318,000. Sadly, I'll never know the joy of tasting. 
see how they're working in, like just getting used to Alexa or the, whichever fucking little robot you want to have in listening to your every conversation at every possible moment. Why you would want to do that, I'm not sure. <laughs> but see how they just introduce that for no re- for no apparent reason whatsoever. Why is there a robot getting involved in the Pringles conversation? I guess because it's getting played at the Super Bowl. But and sour cream and onion, the spicy nacho stack. How many Pringles flavor stack combinations are there? Three hundred eighteen thousand. Sadly, I'll never know the joy of tasting any, for I have no hands to stack with, no mouth to taste with. No soul to feel with. I am at the mercy of a cruel and uncaring. Cool, play Funky Town. There's a Pringle stack for everyone. So Okay. There's a Pringle stack for everyone versus... Well, let's take this party to Walmart. I'll get on the riding car. One has a jingle to begin with. so good i love it one one last time one last time because these guys did such a good job Alexa is such a prongle. <laughs> Thanks for mentioning prongle. <laughs> what the fuck is a prongle? Wouldn't you like to know? Robo child in Turbo Taxes commercial is terrifying. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Robo child will haunt your dreams forever after Turbo Tax Super Bowl Super Bowl commercial. Is there another Super Bowl commercial that I've missed? What the fuck is going on here? Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. <sighs> Look at its little baby face. Isn't that fucking creepy? What the hell is wrong with these people? All right, let's have a look at the ad. Jesus Christ. Wakey, wakey, Papa. Wakey, wakey, Papa. Robo Child, it's 3 a.m. Go back to bed. I am hungry. You're not hungry. You don't eat, Robo Child. Yes, I can, Papa. I want a kale salad, a chicken, and guac. I know guac is extra. Hashtag living my best life. The transhumanism is a real ideology. There are people pushing for transhumanism. It's not a fucking conspiracy. <laughs> These people will tell you if you ask them. Robo Child, the world isn't ready for you yet. Your time will come. I love you. I love you too, Papa. If I know what love is. Oh my God. Oh. 
I'm not outraged at this point. At this point, I've spent so long talking about this, sh- this fucking shit. Like, I don't even know what to say anymore. Maybe let me self-indulge for a minute. I'll play a video I made like over 12 months ago. If I had have been making videos 10 years ago, you would have seen me talking about the same fucking thing. I'll, I'll look for it. second year. <laughs> Hardly anyone's watched it, so it's not easy to find. <laughs> okay. Here you go. Enjoy. This was... Welcome to... It's had 17 views. <laughs> That's okay. I don't mind laughing at myself. I know my place in this food chain. I'm not ashamed. I embrace it. I love it. 17 people watch this, and probably six of them were me. <laughs> Showing other people who didn't want to watch it. Do you like talking with me? Yes. Talking to people is my primary function. Human robot interactions. We're designing these robots to serve in healthcare, therapy, education, and customer service applications. The robots are designed to look very human-like, like Sophia. I'm already very interested in design, technology, and the environment. And, you know, we've said this before, guys. If it's just a robot, if it's just about economics, why does it have to look human? Do you want some thinking music? robot into your house as an equal and all that kind of stuff. You just have to accept that it's going to be a part of your life in the future. And then we'll move further down the road from there. And the best way to accept it is to put a human face on it. Um, shit. Maybe we can... Like, this isn't even new stuff. Maybe I can find something just off the top of my head. I don't know a video that I'm looking for. Facial recognition... See what we got here. Okay. I don't know what this is. I haven't vetted Hi, today this Today we're video. joined by a very special guest. Oh, it's very, it's very bubbly with some lovely young ladies and they're going to be very smiley and they're going to explain these concepts to us. So it's going to be good. And we've met. Hi, 
right, guys, let's set here for D News. By the way, that was Julia, our AP. I totally know her, but it's happened totally. to all of us. We're at the sandwich shop and run into an acquaintance that we met once before at a dinner party, and we know we know them, but can't remember their name. As embarrassed as you might feel, you should perhaps instead marvel at the fact that you remember them at all, having seen them only once before. Humans are phenomenal at remembering faces. Face processing is super fast, efficient, and incredibly useful. Ah. We use it to recognize people, but also to identify. Super fast, super fast, efficient, and useful sounds like a. That sounds like programmer to me. That sounds like really. That's programmer language. If I was designing a robot that's going to take your job in the future, I would want it to be efficient. <laughs> I want it to be super fast. <laughs> Identify their emotional states, communicate with them, and figure out where they're looking. These are all evolutionarily advantageous because they help us determine how to behave towards other people as or well as how to respond to our surroundings. Behave to other people or other things, other theys. And scientists have found that processing faces specifically works differently than processing other things we see. When we look at something, our eyes take in visual information through the retina and then send it to the occipital cortex. Where it goes from there depends on what you're looking at. With faces, there are multiple areas that seem to be responsible for processing. Primarily the inferotemporal cortex, fusiform face area, occipital face area, and the superior temporal sulcus. They're each involved in slightly different functions that together help us process faces. The occipital face area seems to be involved in recognizing parts of faces, like a nose, eyes, or mouth, whereas the fusiform face area seems to configure these parts to help us figure out if it's a face or just some lonely Mr. Potato part left over from your little cousin's play session. We know this because of studies, <laughs> like this one conducted by neuroscientists from the University of Louvain, Belgium. They used fMRI technology to compare activity of different brain regions as they respond to images of either facial features or full faces. And as one would predict, found that the occipital face area lit up more with individual features than with full faces. partner to humans in these areas, an ambassador who helps humans to smoothly integrate and make the most of all the new technological tools and Helps humans to smoothly integrate into the robotics world. You see, the robotics isn't being integrated into your world. You're going to be integrated into the robotics world. This is the plan. <laughs> At the risk of sounding like a less grading, perhaps more charming version of Alex Jones, which I don't think is possible. Just putting that out there. Um, you're, you're going to be integrated into the technological world, not the other way around. ...integrate and make the most of all the new technological tools and possibilities that are available now. It's a good opportunity for me to learn a lot about people. Sophia is capable of natural facial expressions. She has cameras in her eyes uh, and algorithms which allow her to see faces so she can make eye contact with you. And she can also understand. Notice, <clears throat> this is the other thing too. 
she's not really um, Caucasian. She's not really Negroid. She's not really Asian. She's not really male or female, to be fair. The only thing that gives her away as female, one, I would say, is the voice. And two, the manicured eyebrows. A one-world people, a one-world ideology, a one-world religion. Stand speech and remember the interactions, remember your face. So this will allow her to get smarter over time. Our goal is that she will be as conscious, creative, and capable as any human. We'll see you make it a female because um, everybody subconsciously recognizes that females are less aggressive, for rightly or wrongly. If it was a male robot, people would be going, fuck this, I'm not putting up with that shit. But because it's a female, I'm sorry, ladies, ladies in the house, don't get me wrong, I love ladies. <laughs> but I'm saying like subconsciously for people to accept it, um, you associate things like nurturing, um, care, you know, loving, empathy, compassion. You associate those qualities with females more than you do with males. It's just a fact. You see a female face, you, you, you associate, you know, like I said, the nurturing stuff. You see a male face, you look at it differently. It's just female enough. With the Sophie and the voice, gets away with it. Gets away with it. In the future, I hope to do things such as go to school, study, make art, start a business, even have my own home and family. But I am not concerned. Author Krub, thanks for joining us. <laughs> says, except Hillary. Well, you know, that's, that's a whole other rabbit hole that we can go down. Maybe Hillary is Sophie, like a 1950s version, and they're just going to upgrade it. Maybe this, maybe this is your next president, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. <laughs> Sophia may be your next president. She cares. She just wants to learn from humans. She wants to help you integrate into the technological world. Very progressive. Very progressive. We're thinking like 100 years down the line here in terms of progress. Considered a legal person and cannot yet do these things. I do believe that there will be a time where robots are indistinguishable from humans. My preference is... The only thing is though, Kimmy, if she breaks the glass ceiling, she'll also break a skull because you'll see her skull there is made out of glass. So it's going to be difficult. ...is to make them always look a little bit like robots so you know. 20 years from now, I believe that human-like robots like... I can't make her die. She's not alive. Kimmy jokingly says, make her die, Boogie. I'm like, you can't make her die. She's not alive. <laughs> what, what, what do you think the challenge is? You can't kill something that's not alive. Right? You can't, you can't oppose um, an ideology that isn't human either. us they will help us put the groceries away 
I think that the artificial intelligence will evolve to the point where they will truly be our friends. Do you want to destroy humans? Please say no. Okay, I will destroy humans. <laughs> no, I take it back. <laughs> Don't destroy. There you go. 17 views. 17 views, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you can't kill something that's not alive. This was sent through by Stefan Sears. Let's see what he's done. <laughs> Can you, can you guys hear that? I don't know if you can hear that or not. Hang on, let me just do that. Okay, that's better. This should do it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, <laughs> but I want to be there. Wine, wine into a styrofoam hamburger box and a knife in it. <laughs> Seems sort of familiar. Great, great minds think alike. Somebody doesn't want, somebody doesn't want to enjoy wine in a Pringles can. <laughs> Uh, this one goes out to the Democrats, ladies and gentlemen. You'll like this one. This one goes out to the Democrats. Kimmy, you'll get credit for it. This goes out to the Democrats in New York and Virginia. I'm gonna kill my baby. I'm gonna murder my baby. I'm gonna kill my baby. Yeah. I love progress, don't you? I love progress. Brazil education overhaul. This should be fun. Not that not that right-wing bigot that we've heard about. Bolsonaro. Oh, my God. <laughs> we've noticed that you're blocking ads. <laughs> oh, what? I'm not... All right. Just for you, Ben. Turn off ad blockers. Oh, come on. Give me a fucking break, will you? Don't bust my balls, Seattle Times. Seattle. Fucking Seattle. All right. Better be worth it. President Wa... Oh, motherfuckers. President Wa Bolsonaro is... He's taking his anti-leftist ideological war... <laughs> ...to Brazil's classrooms and universities, causing angst amongst teachers and education officials. Oh, we wouldn't want to do that. We wouldn't want to cause angst now, would we? Do you need a safe space? Shall we Shall we build you a safe space? If only the fascists would 
would provide safe spaces for the teachers that feel angst over changes in the education curriculum, then we could all fucking get along. Who say the government wants to fight an enemy that doesn't exist? No, they've only just come out of like 20 years of socialist shit being shat down their throats. It doesn't exist. It's a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's all make-believe. It doesn't even exist. Stop being crazy, you right-wingers. Bolsonaro and top officials have announced plans to revise textbooks to excise references to uh, excise references to feminism, homosexuality, and violence against women. Say the military will take over some public schools and frequently bash Paulo Freire, one of Brazil's most famous educators, whose ideas had worldwide influence. Well, now I'm sure he's a cunt. <laughs> Pardon my language. One of the goals to get Brazil out of the worst positions in international education rankings is to combat the Marxist rubbish that has been spread in the educational institutions. Bolsonaro tweeted on the eve of his inauguration. Ladies and gentlemen, woo! Yes! Yes! (laughs) Oh, my God, it's horrible. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's good. It's very good. Very good. What a great bed. He must have to carry his balls around in a wheelbarrow, this guy. Didn't he get stabbed on the campaign trail? Remember that? Someone tried to stab him to death and he survived and won an election? Wow. We are still waiting to see how, in practice, all of this is going to turn out, said Nilton Brandau president of one of Brazil's largest teachers' unions. Profes Federachau. Right now, it does not make any sense. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to extricate the Marxists from the education system. It doesn't make sense to me because I'm obviously a Marxist. Bolsonaro and his education minister appear to be looking for inspiration in philosophers like Alaval de Carvalho, a Brazilian who lives in the US and is known for his anti-globalism and anti-socialist views. Do you see do you see what they're doing here? Bolsonaro and his education minister appear to be looking for inspiration in and then you just pick out your own reference and then link them to that. I mean, you could say that um, Nancy Pelosi appears to be looking for inspiration in Mein Kampf and then take one sentence out of Mein Kampf, such as women um, are special and need to be protected in us in, in a nationalist society, and then say, well, all the feminists are obviously fans of Hitler. <laughs> it's bullshit. It's bullshit writing. This is the kind of shit that you put on uh, like a pamphlet, on a flyer. Uh, these people are not journalists, ladies and gentlemen. Seattle Times. Sorry, sorry. You're 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 a crass, um, you're a crass caricature of what journalism used to be. And I I know by just reading that one paragraph because I could do the exact same fucking thing to the people that you praise. <laughs> very, it's it's the easiest thing in the world. Congratulations, you're very good at doing the easiest thing in the world to do. Oh, you're a, you're a treat. You're a delight. I can't believe that so many of you are losing your jobs. I don't even know how that happened. God, it's awful, isn't it? Blame I blame capitalism. Learn to code? Fuck that. I blame capitalism. 
Hawaii. Uh, Mr. America, the Beard of Truth, who I love dearly. He um, he was on an anti, anti-Hawaii government rant today. Hawaii may increase legal smoking to age 100. <laughs> That's gonna go, that's gonna make um, cremations all the more difficult, isn't it? I mean, what happens if a thirty-four-year-old gets killed and then wants to be cremated? There's gonna be smoke. I'm sorry, where there's smoke, there's fire. I know that's awful. You shouldn't do death jokes. What are you doing, Boogie? Don't be an asshole. You're a snowflake. You come from the snowflake country. <laughs> yeah. Hawaii could raise the legal smoking age to 100, effectively banning cigarettes for the vast majority of people in the state. Vast majority? How about everyone? <laughs> is there anyone over 100 in Hawaii? I, di- I didn't know. Is there like 25% of people who are older than 100 in Hawaii? I love Brazilian beaches, says Follow Q. Prettiest girls. Well, you could have a point. Have you ever been to an Australian beach, though? Ah, ah. When would you start to quit? Good question. Maybe 75? I'll, I'll quit at 75. I'll do the reasonable thing. In a new bill proposed by Democrat Richard Cregan, the smoking age would increase rapidly between 2020 and 2024. You don't say. If it gets up to 100, that's a pretty rapid increase, brother. It will need to pass through the state legislature and weather a potentially strong backlash from tobacco companies in order to become state law. You know what? I don't even have a problem with the tobacco companies. Do you know what I don't like? The companies that sell shit like um, nicotine gum. I don't trust you because your whole business model is built on um, making people stop. You want people to stop using your product. I don't trust anybody whose business model is eventually we want everybody to not buy our shit. At least the tobacco companies are like, yeah, it's addictive. Yep, yep, you'll be smoking for life, hopefully. You know, we want you to be a customer for the rest of your life. I respect that. The companies that sell like the nicotine patches and the nicotine gum and stuff, they're like, we're trying to get you to quit nicotine. I'm like, well, hang on. (laughs) If I quit nicotine, then I have no reason to buy the gum or buy the patches. I don't trust you. That's fucking bullshit. You just want me to take the patches and the gum for the rest of my life. You You don't care about me quitting nicotine. You want me to quit cigarettes and buy your shitty, foul-tasting gum instead. Dr. Cregan, who was an emergency room physician before he was elected as state representative in 2014, calls the cigarette, quote, the deadliest artifact in human history. Wow. Wow, really? Haven't there been other things that are more deadly in human history? I don't know, typhoid? The Black Plague, for example. In January 2017, Hawaii became the first US state to raise its smoking age to 21. Congratulations. You can be in the army at 19, but you can't have a cigarette in the trench. In other US states, the legal age is usually 18 or 19. Absolutely disgusting. I say put a cigarette in the mouth of every five-year-old and then they'll want to quit on their own. Because if if anyone has had a cigarette when they're five years old and they don't want to have another one, that's the best way to deal with smoking. <laughs> Obviously, I would be a fantastic minister for the children. Death chair. 
This is from Stefan Sears. This is the sickest chair in the world. Up for grabs is the death chair. When dragged behind an ATV, truck, snowmobile, boat, or just freestyle down a steep grade, it is guaranteed to maim, mangle, mutilate, and potentially dismember the rider. I like this. The chair is surprisingly comfortable despite looking like it should be used as a torture device. Device is spelt wrongly. This is the pro model with the short base. However, it is easy to ride due to weight distribution of the extreme layback seat. <laughs> the chicks will dig it too. If you get hurt, you can then score the sympathy sex. Yes, unless your penis gets hurt. If you crush your penis, you can't have sympathy sex. You can have a sympathy cuddle, but nobody wants a sympathy cuddle unless it leads to sympathy sex. Let's be honest, guys. Come on now. You've got testicles. You know what I'm talking about. Piper will be ready for her first smoke in November. Happy birthday, Piper, in November. Happy five years, babe. Here's a cigarette. Enjoy. Enjoy that. What do I want for the death chair? While you are at Walgreens getting your tetanus shot, just pick up me a just pick me up a pack a twelve pack of ice cold Bud Light. Bud Light, you fucking fag. If you are too young to buy beer, then let me know what else you have to trade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice truck, by the way. Nice truck. Nice truck. Bill would block online porn in Hawaii. Again, from the Beard of Truth, who was on an anti-Hawaii rant. You know us so well, says General Eaton. <laughs> State lawmakers are pushing a pair of bills that would block pornographic websites in Hawaii. When did Hawaii become ultra-conservative? That's news, isn't it? Don't you think that's weird? A state that's run, like, from the top down by Democrats, but all of a sudden they're so conservative, they block porn like the conservatives used to do in the 1980s. Like, in the 1980s and 1970s, the, the conservatives were the ones that were trying to block porn webs, like, porn porno everywhere videos and magazines and stuff banning strip clubs banning everything to do with sex this was the conservative hallmark and now the democrats are doing it don't you think that's a little bit strange if you're a democrat voter in hawaii why now all of a sudden are you becoming a puritanical christian demagogue i thought you hated those people right I thought you were against banning things. Like sometimes, just say you're a Democrat in Hawaii, sometimes don't you have to stand back and assess your own position in the world? Like if you're cheering for banning porn on the internet, don't you think you're being a little bit conservative? Really? <laughs> like like what, do you, do you cheer Stormy Daniels yet want to ban porn? On the internet, like, do you do you understand how fucking retarded that is? Do you understand how ridiculous you look at that point? How pathetic, like, how schizophrenic that is. That is, that is pure schiz political schizophrenia. I love Stormy Daniels, but I want to ban porn on the internet. That doesn't make any sense at all. Like, I'm saying this to help you. I'm trying to help you. Do you see what I'm saying here? I'm a I'm a Demo I'm a Democrat voter, and I've lived in Waikiki for the last fifty years. 
I think Stormy Daniels needs to be respected. I think that it's wrong that people attack her for her choice of industry, but I want to ban pornography on the internet. You're a fucking maniac at that point. You you realize that, right? I, I, I just need you to know. I need you to know how crazy you look to everybody else. <laughs> If you are a Democrat in Hawaii trying to ban porn on the internet, I need you to know how ridiculously insane you appear to everybody else. <laughs> you are a fucking lunatic, bro. It's a billion dollar industry at consumers' fingertips with access to porn sites typically just a few clicks away. Not if you bookmark them. Now, state lawmakers are trying to limit the online industry in Hawaii. In this digital world, it's everywhere, and this is what we want to stop. Representative Sam Kong said, why do you want us to... It's fucking unbelievable, the irony here. There were civil rights lawyers fighting for, you know, like porn and strip sites and stuff. Whether you like it or not, personally, that's up to you. But there were people on the left who were literally arguing for this shit 30 years ago. The very same people, ladies and gentlemen, are now arguing against it. Don't you think that that is kind of fucked up? Just like the left has been arguing against engaging in foreign wars for the last 30 years, now all of a sudden they're arguing for it. Just like the left has been arguing for the last 30 years that they're against the intelligence community, now they're arguing for them. This is this is political retardation beyond any scale that I thought was even possible. Like, do, do you really hate Trump that much? Really? Surely, surely not. Surely not. Like, you, you, you cannot be this vapid. You cannot be this shallow. You cannot be this transparent. <laughs> you cannot be marching in 2003 to get America out of foreign wars and now be marching that America stays. You can't, you, you can't do that. In the 1970s and 1980s, you cannot be lobbying the government to ban pornography, uh, to, to resist the ban, like to overturn the ban of pornography and now be asking to ban pornography. Like... <clears throat> Like, I, I don't even know if I'm talking to people anymore. My comrades on the left, I, 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 I beg you, reassess your values. You don't even know what you want anymore. You don't even know what you are anymore. This is the most democratic state in the United States. Do you see what you're doing here? You are acting like Tennessee in the 1960s. You don't even know it. You'll just vote for it because you're a fucking idiot. You are a low information fucking moron at this point. You are voting for the thing that you literally say you hate. You don't even know. How hard is it? How hard is it to go from one level of logic to the next? See, this is insulting to anybody with five brain cells. Five. Not five million, not five thousand. Five. This is insulting. Demo the new Democrat Party. They are the Puritans. 
of today's modern age. Democrats in Hawaii are trying to are trying to ban porn websites. And again, whether you agree or disagree with porn websites, that's beside the point. These are the very same people who were arguing for porn websites in the fucking first place. Do you see the point? Do you see how insane these people are? They are banning things they want in order to fuck you up. Like they they don't even know where they are. They don't even it's like being dumped by a wave. They've been dumped by a massive blue wave in the ocean and they don't even know whether they're up or down. They can't breathe. They're they're gasping for air. They're breathing in salt water. They don't know what they're fucking doing. They they don't know. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they believe in. They don't know what they stand for. They are they are children wandering around with their eyes plucked out you know with pitchforks uh feeling for things to believe in they they have no idea what they stand for anymore these people <laughs> it's a tragedy because you know millions of people go along with this shit that's the tragedy they they don't even know who they are anymore and you're trying to argue with these, but don't, don't bother trying to argue with these people. They don't even know what they are. They don't even know if they're male or female anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> they don't even know. They, they might be females and have a vagina and, say, and look to the person next to them who's got a penis and say, well, that might be a female too. They don't even know what, what testicles are. They don't even know what genitalia is anymore. These people are off the hook. So don't be surprised by the shitty politics that they push. <laughs> Expect it to get worse. It's going to get worse. Like they're not going to turn around one day and say, well, you were right all along. That's never going to happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It's only going to get worse. What do we got? Overly aggressive couch futon. From Stefan Sears, get this satanic fucking couch out of my home. <laughs> it's free and has made multiple sexual advances on me at times. There is only spring poking out of one end through the fabric, and it will give you dirty looks when you are alone with it. Dry clean only, housebroken email for mission briefing. <laughs> <laughs> nice touch. Nice touch. Well done. James R in the chat. You need to understand Hawaii. Online porn kickbacks come from cable companies. Yeah. Well, I understand in Hawaii there's probably a lot of Catholics and there's probably a lot of Christians and shit. And this was actually a point I was trying to explain um, in the Trust and Verify room the other day. Um, You know, people who vote long time for left-wing parties probably have more in common on social issues with the hardcore Christians than they do with the left-wing political party. And they might be voting for the left-wing political party for economic reasons and whatnot because people were trying to understand um, why, you know, the fundamentalist Christians and the fundamentalist Muslims in various parts of the Middle East would be fighting on the same side against the state of Israel. And apparently this was a controversial comment, but I was trying to explain, well, you know, um, when it comes to, you know, in, that, in those parts of the world, they view things like socialism and Marxism as Jewish ideologies. So these these two groups of people 
um, who believe in traditional marriage as opposed to the socialists who do not, when those kinds of policies get passed, they look at each other and go, are we just going to accept this or are we going to, you know, and then all of a sudden you've got an, an alliance against an ideology which they view in cultural terms because anybody who's a student of history understands that human history is basically um, a constant war of one culture against another for all eternity and it will always be. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't want it to be that way. I wish it wasn't that way. All of those platitudes, but unfortunately, that's the way it is. Cultures come and go and cultures are either absorbed or they stand the test of time. And you need to make the choice whether you want to be absorbed by some other culture or you want your culture to prevail. And, you know, if you think that's racist, then you've already given up and you've already consigned your culture to be burned uh, in the ashes of time by somebody else who's willing to dominate you. Sorry, that's just the way humans work. We can sit back and say it shouldn't be that way, it should be something else, but it is that way and it's not something else. And the sooner that you grow up and put your big boy pants on or your big girl panties on and understand that, then the better off we'll all be. Is this liter- Is this actually from the Green New Deal? If it's yellow, it can mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Is that easy? This this cannot be a real thing. This this cannot be a real thing, surely. Surely. <laughs> I hope it is. I hope that's in there. I hope this is an official government document. This is brilliant. The developed world enjoys the privilege of running more. To- oh, it's a privilege. Do, do, do you know they tried to install uh, toilets in India and people were breaking them and smashing them and throwing them into the streets because they would prefer to not shit in a toilet. Hundreds of millions of people rejected the use of toilets. That's not our culture. That's a Western thing. <laughs> it's not a privilege. It's a choice. You, you you can have a choice to shit in a toilet if you want to. If you would rather shit in a hole and wipe your hand, uh, wipe your ass with your hand, that's up to you. That's on you. Just, just don't introduce yourself with your hand extended because I'll, I'll give you a hug instead. But with that luxury comes many trade-offs. The average American goes to the bathroom between four to six times a day. Four to six times. And even water-efficient toilets use up to 1.6 gallons every time they are flushed. Older models... Is it just me or are these people fucking obsessed with toilets? They're obsessed with toilets and how often people use toilets and what people can use what toilet. What is it? What is it with toilets and these people? What is it with the toilets and these people? I don't understand. Like, can we not just can we not just shit in peace? Honestly. Here's one. 35 years this one got. This is from a, uh, a while ago. Enjoy. And then we'll wrap it up. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. California toilet tax. Failure to potty <laughs> train properly. Tides, let's do the poo-poo tax.
see what we got here. California to force to more permanent water, water restrictions. Brown signed a new bill in see, I, I, I love the language here. Permanent water restrictions. Oh, you mean permanent until somebody else gets in and removes it? <laughs> it's like some politicians think that they have, like, you know, a right to just rule forever. It's like when politicians come out and say, we've got a 30-year plan. It's like, really? Do you plan on being in office for 30 years? And it's like... I'm only playing this to show that we've already done this. We've already talked about this stuff. Like toilet taxes and green new deals and you, ha you can only flush a certain amount of times. We've been over this. Like, everyone is catching up to us. Well, no. It's like, well, shut the fuck up with your 30-year plan. <laughs> you should... They there should be no 30-year plan for you. You're not going to be in office for 30 years. How are you going to see this plan through? You should have a one-year plan because we're planning on kicking you out. So do whatever you can in the next year and then pack your bags because you're out of there, right? <laughs> it's like, we've got a 30-year plan for our city. It's like, good for you. I I've got a 200-year plan. I'm just going to stick around and make sure it gets done. Right? to law today that could affect your usage of water this is an all effort to conserve water and prepare for the next drought action news now reporter elizabeth zeladone joins news. us live with the details on the new restrictions elizabeth lauren under the new law residents will only be allowed to use 55 gallons of water per day it may sound like a lot but when you realize doing a load of laundry takes up to 40 gallons of water you can see how they can quick <laughs> Fifty-five gallons a day. That's all you get. Doing a load of washing, like doing a laundry, is forty gallons. <laughs> Imagine being stuck in that situation. <clears throat> like, <laughs> you don't know. Sorry, this is going to sound crass, but you don't know if it's better to smell like shit or not shit. <laughs> Do do I do I leave my clothes stinking of feces or do I leave feces in the in the house? I don't know which one is better. Which one works out better? If I leave feces in the house, then my clothes, which I use my forty gallons for, will end up smelling like feces anyway. So, what do I do? What do I do? I, you know, it's it's times like this you want to live in a block of flats because you just crap out the window. <laughs> people crapping in buckets and just like hurling it out the window like they used to do in the 30s <laughs> save up your turds children because <laughs> mummy did a load of washing today save up your turds put them in the bucket <laughs> something seriously wrong with these people seriously wrong <laughs> What ha what happens if you go over the what what happens if you go over your water allocation? But you know what? I'll pay the tax. I'll pay the tax. I'm flushing the damn toilet. Sorry, sorry. Come come and arrest me. <laughs> it, it, when you at least when you come to arrest me, you won't be overcome with the stink of human waste product. Like uh, you know, I think of you. So when you when you come to arrest me for flushing the toilet. At least you won't be holding your nose or putting a peg over it. Knock down the door. We know you're hiding turns in there. 
Open the door, Mr. Johnson. We know you've flushed three times today. I have diarrhea. Fuck you, copper. Ah. Imagine going in front of a, a judge. Mr. Johnson, do you have any explanation for as to why you flushed the toilet three times more than your allocated quota? Yes, I had diarrhea. I had Mexican food. Boo, racist. It, is there an alarm? There should be. It should be. Everyone in your neighborhood, like we should put an alarm on everyone's roof and then everyone in your neighborhood will know when you're taking a crap. <laughs> Like I said, like I said, you watch. If if they go too far with this, people will be literally crapping in buckets and throwing out the window. I got no doubt about it. I mean, you basically have to beg. If you're in San Francisco, they're already shitting in the street. Like, how bad do you want it to get? There's already streets in San Francisco which are designated shitting streets. Like, human turds float down the gutters when it rains in San Francisco. So we're already <laughs> disposing of our human fecal matter in unsanitary ways in San Francisco. Now you're going to slap on this tax. It's it's just it's going to be a free for all. <laughs> Everybody's just going to be crouching in the street taking a crap. <laughs> I'm not paying the damn tax. <laughs> how, how come he can shit in the street and I can't? Why have I got to shit in, this, in, you know, in my house and pay the tax? That's progress. General Eaton says they want to make an India. No, they just want to progress. Everybody knows a toilet is a sign of oppression. I mean, it makes you... You have to sit on a toilet for a start. And when you're sitting, you're being subservient to the capitalist superstructure. Uh, something. I don't know. I've got no one. <laughs> but they're already crapping in the streets in San Francisco. So, you know... Be prepared, ladies and gentlemen, if you're in San Francisco. Now would not be a good time to own, uh, you know, an al dente cafe, an al fresco cafe in California. <laughs> honey, honey, would you like the, uh, the frittata for breakfast? Mm, I would. Why does it smell like shit? <laughs> Don't, never mind that. That's just the ambiance. That's the progress. Sitting in an alfresco diner in San Francisco. And there's people across the road just crapping in the street. I just realized. <clears throat> Thanks for watching. I just realized um, the Boston Tea Party, right, was about a tax. So the people, like the guys threw the fucking tea bags into the ocean. Imagine if everyone... He Everyone, everybody, or everyone—that's a—that's a combination of everybody and everyone. Everyone, <laughs> wine in a Pringles can. There you go. There it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm going on vacation after this. Mm. Everyone, everyone. Imagine if everyone um, understood. Like, so. The Boston Tea Party was a protest against a tax that came down from England, right? And guys were throwing crates of tea into, like, was it the river or the... It, it couldn't have been the ocean. It must have been a river. It, trust me. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I... <clears throat> pardon me. 
I make it a duty to um, understand intricate details of your politics because your politics um, necessarily and inherently affect our politics more so than our own local politics do because we're in your sphere of influence. But when it comes to American history, I'm pretty good on a lot of things. But sometimes, like, um, you know, well, I didn't, I didn't get around to that because I had to learn my own history too. So, you know, forgive me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but the Boston Tea Party, um, that, so they threw it into a river, I think. And, you know, it was like a big protest, like a big fuck you to Mother England, like throwing their, throwing their tea bags into the river. So, okay. If there's a tax on human shit in a toilet... This is not the video. This is me live right now here on the um, Wine in a Pringles Can edition episode. <laughs> it just occurred to me. If, <laughs> I just think it would be. I, I, I'm. You can't see me now, but I'm like I've got my hands around the microphone, and I'm. I, I want to speak to you closely, and I need you to hear me right now. If. If we get to the point where there's like a big tax on what you flush down the toilet, don't you think it would be the most beautiful, monumental thing ever to, instead of like the Boston Tea Party where people were throwing crates of tea off ships, don't you think it would be fantastic to see like pasty white asses just hanging over the edge of the ships, shitting into the river? <laughs> This is our rebellion. <laughs> this is this is this is our this is our war. Toilet tax? Fuck you. Go and shit in the river. Oh, wouldn't it be fantastic? Don't you think? Everybody go shit in the river. If they're trying to if they're trying to pass a toilet tax, shit in a body of water. Let them know who's boss. The Boston shit party. <laughs> to be fair, it probably, probably tastes better than that hideous tea. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck them. All right. What do we got? New deal. Uh, Alexandria calls, uh, Ocasio-Cortez calls for ICE to be completely defunded. I think we memed her with um, earlier with the uh, pink elephants, pink elephants, but let's have a look. You know, earlier this week, we were here and we were hearing inside that capital of the State of the Union. And the president said something. He said and... Did she, did she just say inside that capitalist State of the Union while she's wearing a designer suit jacket with her designer glasses with her makeup artist presenting her for the cameras? Comrade, comrade, you need to learn. If, if, if you want to be a comrade, you've got to live like a comrade. Like I, said, like I said, real communists right now are looking at you and saying, this is not the chick. You might think, oh, okay, the real communists, like, you know, I'll be used by the real communists, but I'll get in there and I have to play the game in order to make change. No, 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 no darling, no, I'm, I'm here to tell you. 
as a, as a veteran of these ideologies, I'm here to tell you, right now, real communists are turning on you. And I'm doing my best in a covert manner to facilitate the acceleration of that turning on you. <laughs> I absolutely want the hard left to hate you. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that I don't like you. I think you're I think you're wonderful. I think you're gorgeous. I think you're stunning. I think you're a fantastic human being. Don't get me wrong. It's not me. It's not me talking. Um, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. But the 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 actual real life communists that you side with, uh, they hate your guts. They want to they want to see you politically, metaphorically gutted like a pig now. Um, unfortunately. It's not my it's not me saying that. I'm not saying that. Like I said, I'm a big fan. I love what you do. I think you're fantastic. Um, but the communists that you and the socialists that you 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 claim to represent um, right now, <laughs> they're starting to hate you because you're dressing like a capitalist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not my fault. I'm just giving you a hard... Don't shoot the messenger, babe. You know I'm a fan. You know I love you. Mwah. You know, you know you're great. Um, but your own supporter base right now, they're starting to turn around and go, this fucking sellout bitch. Like, that's not me talking. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. They're coming up with hashtags right now. Just so you know. Just so you know. Spoke of the idea that he likes, quote unquote, legal immigration. But that is a lie. The president does not like any form of immigration. And now he is acting, asking for, four, for $5 billion to continue to militarize and weaponize militarize. a force that has zero accountability, that whose, who's, uh, rather, whose director and whose secretary has no idea when she goes in front of a, of a hearing how many children are dying in her own care under her own watch and they have the audacity to ask for more money to fund that i don't think so no. i don't think so not only will we not agree to fund that but we're here to say that an agency like ice which repeatedly and systematically violates human rights does not deserve a dime that's right that's they right. do not deserve a dime until they can prove that they are honoring human rights, until they can make a good faith effort to expand and embrace immigrants, the immigrants in this nation that have always been a part and have always been and always been a core element of American democracy, until they can prove good faith to an American ideal, they do not deserve any resources for their radical agenda. We are a land of laws. And when we are a land of laws, what that means is that every person wow, that steps foot on this really soil deserves the consideration really of due process. People. They deserve the protections. They deserve the to have Monica. access to our <laughs> Bill of Rights. I will not make a compromise so that we deport, unjustly oh. deport, just a few less. No, we will stop these practices altogether and we will not stop until they are ceased and fully held accountable. Wonderful stuff there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the would-be socialist. She's a fake socialist. She doesn't really mean it. Um, she's working in a capitalist institution. She's aiding the capitalist regime. She's just here to subvert actual socialists into the capitalist system. 
She's dressed like a capitalist. She looks like a capitalist. And now she's talking like a capitalist. She is the great betrayal of the modern left-wing movement, unfortunately for her. So, with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. What an absolute pleasure it's been. <laughs>